What's up, everything? The Blues may still be on their Stanley Cup high, but the NHL offseason is in full swing. We're kicking off Season 3 of the Two Guys One Cup podcast by walking you through everything that's happened so far and everything that might happen at the draft. The hot stove is on full blast, so let's get started and let's go Blues! Welcome to a season three of the mm-hmm. Two Guys One Cup podcast. Technically, season one of the podcast under that name. It's all very confusing. <laughs> it's a new season. We, we have moved. a new name. We moved from Fox to <laughs> NBC. They canceled us, but that Kickstarter really helped. That's right. And we're back. That's right. New name, new season, new computer, other new stuff. It's great. It's same old new style. setup. You got another. You got like two, I've got so many screens now. And a computer. Got Should it. Bring you my guys, phone out. If you guys could see us and just ignore that it's a card table set up in a bedroom, we'd look like real professionals. Mm. I'm the real Darren Dreger of this room. I've always said that, Ian. I've, I've always, always said, said that. that. I've got a lot of time for that. <laughs> Ian, we are uh, prone to recording in wacky and wild locations. Where are we coming from this evening? Oh, we are coming from the Galar region of the Pokemon <laughs> world, which is the new region for the Pokemon Sword and Shield game coming out for the Switch in November. Yes. We're getting a new preview. It's yeah. definitely not like Britain in any way. Oh, it most certainly is. Yeah. We are in a region that despite there being 800 plus species of pokemon mm-hmm. is being locked to only a certain amount and if it's not in the game's coding if charizard isn't just so happen to be one of the 250 pokemon in the galar region pokedex you can't you can't bring them in. You can't. Oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah, you can't have them. Well, Ian, it's because the Switch doesn't have the processing power yeah, of, of previous installations of the game. I don't know how you'd ever expect them to it keep can't, up with that. It's a bigger thing. Yeah, it's stronger, but you you just you can't expect more. No, sprites. why would why would you why would you really? Gotta catch them all. Yeah, I do, and I can't. Yeah, exactly. Indeed, I I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm also. <laughs> 28. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like uh, how we approach the playoffs. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm and also 28. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll. Now we've got all the. Uh, piqued the interest of all our Pokemon watching, blues loving, late 20s slash depressed fans. Why don't we talk about, which is actually probably a pretty big cross section of people Mm. when you think about it. Why don't we talk about the NHL awards that were last night? Whoa! I tell you what, these awards seem pointless. When your team's won Pointless? The... There was a good burger reunion. Uh, <laughs> that was probably the highlight. <laughs> Indeed it they was. They seem pointless when your team's won the biggest award it possibly can win. The Ga- Stanley Cup. Gary Bettman's like, Bill, how can we appeal to the youths? And Bill's like, well, my 30-year-old kids really love that Gil- good burger show. And they're like, you got it. 
And that's how it happened. Uh, Keenan Thompson, I do think, did, did very well as the host. Mm. The host's real hit or miss for this show. The the show in general, very hit or miss. <laughs> and this year was no, no exception. Do you think they only got Keenan Thompson because... This is like an NBC Sports thing, and he's on oh, SNL probably, for NBC. Yeah. yeah, be interesting to check. I don't remember all the past hosts. They did have uh, Thomas Middleditch reprising his role as Tony Babcock, which was great. So I did enjoy <laughs> that. Also, Connor McDavid had a suit, and instead of a belt, he had a skate lace. I think, but it was like. Or he's cheap. It's like his style. I think he has a stylist. He probably paid thousands <laughs> of dollars to have a skate lace as a belt, or maybe just a shoestring. It was gross and distracting, but he's still Connor McDavid. I like how if you're rich, you can dress however you however want. However you want, and, and if call it yeah, fashion. If it's bad, you just say, oh no, that's my style. Yeah. Cool. I mean, one of there are very few <laughs> benefits of being a rich person, but very that is few. one of them. <laughs> Uh, why don't we go ahead and start with the, what many would think is the boring award, but actually involved one of our very own, Who Got Robbed? We're not talking about the award you think we're talking about. We're talking about General Manager of the Year. Both you and I predicted that Doug Armstrong would win this one, considering the incredible offseason he had yeah. and rallying his team back to win a... Um, to to make the playoffs, which is where the voting ends. We will stress that a number of times, but the playoffs do not count as part of this voting. Uh, we thought really that the Michael Delzato acquisition at the trade deadline would seal this thing key, away. Very key. Armstrong, but apparently it was Don Sweeney's uh, deadline acquisitions of Charlie Coyle and uh, Marcus Johansson that was enough of an accomplishment in the eyes of the media to take take home this award. Don Waddell was also the other nominee. You could only be nominated if your first name was D. Starton. Mm -hmm. D.O. Starton, in fact. (laughs) Um, How how did you feel about this one? I think the Bruins did navigate a ton of injuries throughout the regular season. And, you know, Halak had that period where he had to, like, carry the team, Mm. which was very odd and... All that sort of stuff. You remember when we were talking about early early in this season, what a year it's been. We were talking about, like, yeah, I think Tuka Rask has lost his job to Yaroslav oh, Jesus, What a strange year. Anyone, Thoughts on this award? Anyone can lose their job to Yaroslav Halak. Who couldn't? Most of them, like, blue-collar workers and any of a, a number of blue-collar <laughs> fields. That, um, yeah, it's... Uh, I just felt like Doug Armstrong had the better off season. I mean, Don Sweeney had a good season, but it seemed like in a good deadline and acquisitions for sure. We didn't acquire anyone, right, other than Delzato. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the it's kind of like our show. It starts with the new season starts with the end of the playoffs mm-hmm. of the old season or the draft or anything like that. So we acquired Ryan O'Reilly for a, a trade that was already good at the time and only got better as time went on. Uh, Bozak was a fine acquisition. Bringing Dave Braun back, I thought was good. Patrick Maroon, great acquisition. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I, don't know. I don't understand. He fired. Don't I think forget, this does not. Don't forget our other key free agent signing, Chad Thompson. I thought, I thought about mentioning that, and then my brain Jordan kicked it out. He fired Mike Yo, which you know what? Like that's not a thing. I'm sure people weigh when they think mm-hmm. about what a good job a GM did. 
But fucking the Wilds GM, whenever they fired Mike Yo before, waited for like a 14-game like losing streak or like one win in 15 games like that. At least we went for something sooner than that. That Hot should dog. be that should be commended. Yeah, absolutely. And also, to his credit, he did waive Chad Johnson, mm-hmm. which if he'd never done, would have never opened the door for Jordan Reddington to get a shot. So it's not like he didn't do anything once the regular season hit. We were so psyched for Jordan Reddington, or for any goalie to be behind Jake Allen. Yeah. I know I was, mainly because we listened to old podcasts recently. But like, <laughs> yeah, like it was just nice to give... Anyone younger than 25 a shot mm-hmm. as being a backup because we had to play them because we had so many back-to-back games. I was just like, all right, let's see what you got in your youth. Yeah. And waving Chad Johnson did that. So, yeah, I still think it was should have been Doug Armstrong. Uh, like you said, though, Sweeney navigated tons and tons of different injuries this year. So Yeah. And I'll give him the, uh, he gets the gentleman's GM of the award or uh, GM of the year award, given the fact that uh, he lost the Stanley Cup, so that's fine. That's yeah, all right. I'll I'll take the trade for sure. Um, some of the less controversial awards: uh, the King Clancy. That's the uh, what's the word? Charity award. Humanitarian. Humanitarian yeah. Thank you. Uh, Jason Zucker of the Minnesota Wild, soon to be of not like, the Minnesota like, Wild only anymore. for so long. Uh, beat out Oliver Ackman Larson and Henrik Lundqvist because the league hates Swedes. Uh, Zucker is a big supporter of the Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. Ooh, Colts. He had, huh? Colts. Colts? Masonic. Oh, That's yeah. That's a culty, right? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know what so. goes on inside of them, but... Uh, he had, what, um... He started a suite, I think, at the mm-hmm. uh, at the hospital to like simulate the feeling of being in games yeah. for kids who couldn't make it to the uh, game itself. He also started the Give Sixteen Fund, and I think he agreed to, uh, which is his number, and I think he agreed to pay sixteen hundred dollars for every goal he scored, which I think ended up being north of thirty. So, yeah. uh, didn't yeah, they raise I mean, close to like two million dollars total for uh-huh, us? I yeah. think in like. Just a little over for, a year for a guy who, by the way, is not like a superstar in this. No, league. this is like, just like nothing against him, and he's a very good and probably like still blossoming player. But I don't know. It's like if a younger Jaden Schwartz started yeah, his exactly. own his own humanitarian. And thing. I think we know Jason Jaden Schwartz would never no no Jaden Schwartz cares about one thing, and it's Jaden Schwartz. <laughs> Uh, you can tell him I said that. <laughs> Jason Zucker ended up with 21 goals and 21 assists this season. He is 27 years old, and he's soon to be, uh, let's let's speculate wildly, a, a New Jersey Devil, perhaps? I was, was going to say a Florida Panther. Oh, yeah, I think either of those have worked, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, he beat out uh, Oliver Ackman Larson and Henrik Lundqvist, both of whom do good work, but I think just by reading the descriptions of what they had done, it was pretty obvious Sucker would win this. He also mm-hmm. uh, had been nominated but didn't win last year, so I guess this was kind of the... I couldn't... I didn't think they'd also do that in the King Clancy Trophy, an award, by the way, that Kelly Chase once won as a player, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, apparently they still do, so good for them. Uh, the Lady Bing, which is the Sportsmanship Trophy, the nominees <laughs> were Alexander Barkoff, Sean Monahan, and Ryan O'Reilly. Laughter... Sorry. You laugh at the Lady Bing. <laughs> I was just thinking of uh, Kelly Chase. Like, what would Kelly Chase have done humanitarian wise to deserve the King Clancy? I was like, did he punch someone back to life? 
I think he works with uh, Special Olympics or something of that. Okay, he did something but very yes, commendable. Yes, I would like to imagine he punched someone. Maybe he did it that in the course of helping at Special Olympics. <laughs> Maybe one of the referees had a cardiac arrest and he arrested his cardio back to life. <laughs> uh Alexander Barkov won this award. Uh, you picked Barkov. I picked O'Reilly. I think we both thought that O'Reilly would win one of the two awards yeah. he was nominated for. You were correct on both of them, and I was wrong on both of them. So you win this year. Has Barkov won? No. He was anything? nominated last okay. year for these uh for this same award. That's really the only it. reason I felt like he, he wasn't played, nominated for the Selkie, so I was like, he's going to get the bin. He played an ungodly amount of minutes and only had, like, six penalty minutes, I think. Uh, eight penalty minutes this year. As their, like, number one Averaging center. 22 yeah. and a half minutes of ice time, <sighs> for which for a forward is bonkers. He played 1,800 minutes, 1,833 minutes this year, and got eight penalty minutes. It's well-deserved. And, to be frank, uh, O'Reilly won the better of the two awards for which he was nominated. So it's a win-win. The Messier Leadership Award, it's hard to know how anyone wins this because it's picked by Mark Messier. Is it really? Yes, it's just chosen by Mark Messier. (laughs) Uh, We both thought Jason Williams would win it. Mark Messier thought Wayne Simmons should win it, and so Wayne Simmons did win it. That's like congratulations, the, Wayne. Simmons. That's like if the Oscars had an award that was just like Gene Shalit's favorite movie. <laughs> 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 it's like you got it. <laughs> that's like great. This year it's Spider Man into the Spider Verse. <laughs> Gene Shalit says, "Come on down." <laughs> um, they had the Bill Masterton Trophy next. It was Robin Lanier, Nick Foligno, and Joe Thornton, who I guess was nominated because he's old. I mean, he's they, so much adversity. Perhaps he was nominated because they needed a third nominee, and there was no question he was winning this. It was always going to be Robin Lanier, who had such an incredible story. Uh, invite you to go back and read the story he wrote if you have not yet, or I don't think he wrote it, but it was basically written by him in the Athletic. Yeah. It's an un- I think it's an unlocked. It was at the time, at least piece. For the athletic, it's um, very, it's very, very good. Yeah, basically talked about his struggle with mental illness and uh, alcohol addiction, and how he, at the end of last season, basically broke down and sought sought treatment and fought his way back. And then the uh, Islanders took a chance on him, and he came out and had just an incredible year. Ended up as a Vesna nominee on top of everything else. Uh, He ended the speech by saying, I'm not ashamed to say I'm mentally ill, but that doesn't mean I'm mentally weak, Um, which is awesome. I don't know. We're both passionate about mental health awareness, and Mm -hmm. so Robin Lanier, I think, is kind of awesome. Not kind of awesome, totally awesome. Kind of a hero to both of us. (laughs) It's like a poignant point made that you don't think you would hear at the NHL Awards, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Well, and it's such a such a faux tough guy sport not faux i mean these guys are tough i'm not yeah. taking anything away from that but it's a a sport where toughness and exterior you know aggression and and manliness is very valued and mm-hmm. so to be that vulnerable and talk about ending the stigma is really an accomplishment and congratulations robin lanier for doing it yeah it's it's definitely something that i'd like to see more of in sports just from any from any angle, if you're someone struggling with anything, you should be able to admit to it and not mm-hmm. have 
a fear of being ridiculed about it. Yeah. And on top of everything else, dude's going to get paid this summer. Yeah. So good for him. I'm really like everything. It's about as good of a story as you can write in mm. sports or in anything else. So awesome for him. Uh, the Calder Trophy, which goes to the best rookie of the year, were was uh, between our very own Jordan Bennington, Rasmus Dahlin, and Elias Pettersson. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin was even in this league, period. Yeah, uh, a very good young I player. I mean, he played but... great. He played great throughout the season, but you're in the shadow realm arguably, <laughs> arguably stole the third nomination from Miro Heiskin, and he was mm. also very, very good. Uh, there was no question, though, that when the uh, voting for this ended at the end of the regular season, it was always going to be Elias Pettersson's award. Uh, he had 66 points in 71 games for a rookie, 7.8 point shares, uh, 144 shots, seven game-winning goals, um, just a phenomenal rookie season, and it takes nothing away from Jordan Bennington to say this guy earned it, mm-hmm. playing a full, basically a full regular season, but for the period he was concussed by Mike Matheson, I want to say yeah. it was, in Florida. Uh, it was always going to be his, there was no question here. He shouted out the Vancouver journalist who passed away tragically in his speech, so that was cool. Uh, moving on to the Norris Trophy, Brent Burns, Mark Giordano, and Victor Hedman were nominated. I think there was no question this was going to Mark Giordano this year because he's older and hasn't won it before. <laughs> I was like, Hedman won last year. So. Giordano, at age 35, had 74 points oh, in 78 shit. games as a defenseman. He had a 12.6 point share, a 57.1% Corsi 4 percentage, and averaged 24 minutes on the ice. He took 221 shots, had two game-winning goals, uh, and was just an absolute beast, absolutely deserved to win. He also led the league in plus-minus at a plus-39. So uh, it wasn't just a, you know, age qualification. He certainly deserved it on of his own merits, and he got the bet, award that was rightfully his. I bet he showed up in the playoffs for that team. Probably. But it wasn't his fault. I doubt it. Let's check. We're here. Uh, two assists. Two points it in five was games, minus three. It is your fault. No, Great, I'm Mark. sure it wasn't. Great. 11 blocks, nine hits, nine takeaways. Yeah, I don't think it was his fault. Um, yeah, I mean, we both thought he'd win. He did win. It was kind of a done deal. The one that I got right that you got wrong, hooray, <laughs> uh, was the Vesna Trophy. Ben Bishop, Andre Vasilevsky, Robin Lanier were the finalists. I think... Uh, Bishop deserved this award. That was that's was my heart. I was I, like, Ben Bishop should win. <laughs> he should win this. I don't know if he will, but yeah. he should. I didn't think that the uh, anybody was going to be able to overlook Vasilevsky getting 39, 39 wins in 53 games. Jeez uh, 9.25 save percentage and 22.4 goals against average. Ben Bishop uh, has, I think this is the third time he's been a finalist. Uh, twice in Tampa Bay and once in... Has he never won? Yeah, never won. He's been a finalist. He finished third once, twice. I assume twice. Second twice, because I assume he was second this year. Always a bridesmaid. Robin Lanier just never didn't play enough, I think, to back up his numbers being winning that award, which is no slap against him. All re- again, uh, I'm... Stumbling over my words. That's a new season. But no, 
players who never stumble over their words are the nominees for the Silky Silky Trophy. I still botched it. <laughs> uh, the, and the nominees are our very own Ryan O'Reilly, uh, our very enemy Patrice Bergeron, who I still love, and Mark Stone, who sucks. No, uh, this did end up being the closest of the awards in final voting, with Mark Stone barely uh, being edged out by our very own Ryan G. Darn O'Reilly. Uh, who won his very first Selkie Trophy, I think, an absolutely deserved award. You predicted that he'd won it. I thought it would be Stone, so I'm glad I at least got it almost kind of right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this was sort of, for O'Reilly, the sorry you're not in the heart conversation award, I think. <laughs> I heard a couple of journalists really? describe it that way. He was this entire team through the regular yeah. season. I mean, he was still relevant and a good player while Jordan Bennington was keeping this team afloat Yeah, in the second half. But really, to me, it's like, even though he was still as good the whole season, the, it was like Brian O'Reilly first half, Jordan Bennington second half, mm-hmm. more or less. But yeah, he was there the whole time. From game one, he looked amazing. He led the Blues in the regular season with 77 points. He also led the Blues in the playoffs with 23 points, giving him an even 100 points on the whole season. He also had one Stanley Cup, one Conn Smythe Trophy, and one Selkie Trophy. Pretty good year for Ryan O'Reilly, and I think a much-deserved Selkie victory. He's so good at both ends of the ice. He's so good at face-offs. That was like face-off genius. The penalty minutes thing is insane. I think he has like four or five seasons with single-digit penalty minutes. This was like the most... It felt like a lot this year compared to last year when I think he had two. Two. He had two last year. Every time he got penalized, he always looked kind of... I think he ended with like 12 this year, which for him is like high. Every time he was penalized this year, he looked like incensed. And I was like, I would be too if I never get penalized. Yeah, yeah, 12 this year, 96 on a decade-long career. And most of that came in the 46 he logged in his first four seasons. He's had four in single digits, including two last year and in the 2013-14 campaign. It's insane. How do you not get penalized? 2012-13, that was the lockout-shortened year. Yeah, 12 And also, I think the year maybe he had his buyout dispute because he only played 29 games. Okay. Um, But yeah, just insane. Um, You would think, I mean, you would think like the, just the odd, like, accidental slash or high stick would be good for like 20 a year. That's what I mean. Just on average, you know? You'd you'd, think you hit a guy, you slash him on stick, it breaks mm because sticks are weak as hell now. And you're like, oh, it's a slash. Yeah, exactly. But nope. Uh, kind of surprised by this one. Nikita Kucherov wins the uh, Ted Lindsay Award, the player vote. Uh, the other finalists were McDavid and Patrick Kane. I'm just surprised anytime McDavid doesn't win this because he's clearly the best player in hockey, but it is a testament to the 128-point season Nikita Kucherov <laughs> assembled. Uh, he would also win the Hart Trophy, as we'll talk about. 128 points. Can you imagine... You, so you have a sixty point player on your team. You're like, this is really good. This did like, this is a really 60, good player. Yeah. And someone doubles that. It's insane. It's insane. Eighty seven assists, forty one goals, hundred and twenty eight points. Didn't even quite average twenty minutes. A night. So that's like a point and a half. Yeah, that's like a point and a half a game. Mm-hmm. 
Holy he had shit. multiple like four or five point nights. I mean, you'd have to, but yeah. Holy just crap, insane. Man. Uh, let's talk about now the Jack Adams Award, the big controversial one as far as St. Louis fans are concerned. Not as far as the two guys won couple <laughs> or show is a concern. And our award. We I give out awards, we, too. we have our Galactic Supremacy Awards, but those are at the end of the calendar year, mm-hmm. right? And people are waiting. They're already sending in their nominees. <laughs> is that when they is that when Send they in are? your tapes. I don't know when else we would have done them. I have no idea when Maybe we when those. we did them in, around the Oscar season? I don't know. We'll check. Something. Something. We'll, we'll listen back to the tapes. Uh, <laughs> the nominees for the Jack Adams Award were Barry Trotz, Craig Berube, and John Cooper. Uh, we both expected... Very Trots to win, and Very Trots did win, and then he got handed a good burger, uh, which was awkward. And uh, let's talk about this because a lot of blues fans were very upset by this. Ryan Reeves was very upset by this mm-hmm. on the Spit and Chickwits podcast. He talked about how the voting at the end of the regular season is kind of BS because Craig Berube clearly deserved to win this, and I agree on the whole. By the end of the season, he deserved to win it. Uh, but you have to cut off the voting somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think if 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 you cut it off at the end of the playoffs, it's just always going to skew towards people that went deeper in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, Connor McDavid, as good as he is, if his team's never in the playoffs, he's never going to be discussed for this stuff, and he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you need to make, and I know the regular season means something because it's like playoff seeding and all that. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you need to make the regular season mean something. Yeah. I know everyone in the, every player will tell you, oh, it's about the playoffs and winning the cup. And I get that. But like, you can't tell me they're at least a little happy to win one of these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least they're like, oh, cool. I got my name on this. That's neat. Mark Giordano at 35 years old. You're going to tell me he doesn't care about winning the Norris Trophy? That's ridiculous. I'm totally fine with these just being regular season awards. And by that logic, if it is voting at the end of the regular season, to me... I don't want to say Verubi's a distant, but I would say he's a distinct, not only second, but third on this list. To me, I mean, you're welcome to disagree with third, but John Cooper coached a team to as many wins as there's ever been in a regular season. Mm. And you can talk about how loaded with talent they are. That's true. That's great. Do you know how much it takes, obviously, and you can tell by the postseason result, do you know how much it takes to get a team like mentally prepared for every game, every single game. Like, the two that we won against them Mm. were very close. I think they were both one-goal games. It wasn't like they just came out sleeping or anything. Didn't you say they practiced? They did something weird for practice to keep them, like, mentally sharp. Probably. I don't I forget what he said, but, yeah. Um, Something specific. But, I mean, more more to the point, whether you agree with Ber- Cooper being ahead of Berube or both, that's very debatable, and I would understand if people were mad at me saying that he shouldn't be. Trots to me is not a, it's not even a question. This dude won a Stanley mm-hmm. Cup with one franchise, and I realize that doesn't factor in, but in this story, it kind of does. He left a Stanley Cup championship roster and went to a team that had just lost its foundational superstar 
and was written off as completely irrelevant. Yeah, I thought they were going to be garbage this year. Uh, one pundit, I don't remember who, but ranked the NHL teams from first to Islanders. <laughs> like, they were a joke and an afterthought. And throughout the year, everybody said, when's that Islanders bubble going to burst? Mm-hmm. He coached them to a second-place finish. I believe that last year the Islanders allowed the most goals of any team in the NHL, and this year they allowed the fewest goals of any oh, team really? in the NHL. And I believe that's never been done in like a hundred years. Like it was, you know, yeah. basically like the dead puck era of hockey the last time that was done. Sir John Smith Wallace yeah, was exactly. the last guy who did that. Uh, Trotz got them to a second place finish, and again, playoff voting doesn't count, but didn't they sweep the Penguins yeah. in the first round? Like, this team... Oh, also, two different home arenas with no fucking, like, real fan base that cares. Like, there's not... Like, the, <laughs> I, the thing about... I think the thing that upsets me about the fan up, outrage about Barubi is, I get it, back your guy, 100%. I'm down with that. Yeah. But, like, let's not disrespect everything Trotz did. Yeah. Because that was incredible. He's also, like, now the fourth winningest coach in NHL history. And the dude is just like a machine. You know, he's very Ken Hitchcock. I doubt players love playing for him. Uh, but he gets the job done. He won. He finally won his cup. And then he did the unthinkable with the Islanders. And to me, Baruby came, and I think we forget this because of the story of the whole season, but it was not an immediate turnaround under Craig Baruby. We were still really bad December for a handful of games. Yeah. And then December wasn't very good. We kind of, like, I know that's when, like, the road trip that we say we started to turn Boys, around. Well, like, yeah, they started to look good even though we were losing. But Bennington was really the difference maker, and that didn't happen until January 7th, which was, like, a month and a half after he, was fire, after he was hired. So that's not taking anything away from Craig Berube. We love Craig Berube. He's mm. our coach. He will be for a very long time. But you can't, like, just don't take away from the job Trotz did. The The... Jack Adams Award, I've said this a lot lately, has always been the You Made a Bad Team Good Award. Mm. Barry Trotz took a team that lost its superstar, had basically no talent that you'd heard of before except Matthew Barzell, and took it to a second-place finish in a tough division. And Barry Trotz took a... Or, uh, sorry, Craig Berube took a team that was supposed to be really good and just started to get them playing to their potential. Mm. And that to me, is the difference. It took him, you know, the difference, because didn't Hitchcock win the year he took over? Yeah. But the difference but to me is over, he took over pretty immediately. He took over 13 games And he took season. over a very young, very, like, rough-and-tumble team and made them a very polished we were, Ken Hitchcock team. We were a bad team going into that season. Yeah. Like, we were, I shouldn't say we were bad. We were mediocre. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, yeah, Barubia takes half a season to do, get us from dead last in the playoffs. Commendable. I still think he should be second at, you know, very least. That's great. But you have Barry Trotz who did this the entire season. Mm -hmm. The entirety of the season was him coaching the Islanders. And like you said, I do think it's a big, I think Jack Adams is always, yes, worst, a team that had no hope. Mm. being a team that now made the playoffs. Yeah. And we did have, that was us in the second half, in a vacuum. But in terms of, yes, the entire season, we were saying it last year when we got Ryan O'Reilly, we were like, we should be cup contenders. Yeah. 
and we got back to that point, but it's just drawing the picture of how you got there. Mm, absolutely. And that's like, I, I probably stretched by saying Baruby behind Cooper, but I, all of my main point in that was saying three really qualified yeah. candidates. Nobody could have complained if any of these guys had ended up winning. Um, was fourth uh, Bill Peters? Was yeah, he pretty I think close? So. Yeah. I always thought like he did a pretty good job. He would have deserved it for I didn't sure. I think Calgary was, a, yeah, it was, was a, kind it of a was nobody a big year team. for coaching. Bruce Cassidy deserves some credit. Yeah. It was a big year for coaching, which isn't always the case. Guys who survived mm-hmm. the initial Holocaust <laughs> of coaching. Uh, was it last year that it took forever till someone was fired? Yeah, I think so. Last year or the year before yeah. that. Definitely wasn't this year. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I mean, all I'm saying is if if you're outraged about Baruby winning, he got to hold the trophy that really matters, mm. and Barry Trotz did not. So, well, he did get to hold a good burger, so maybe he got to hold the trophy that really <laughs> matters. But uh, the Hart Trophy, as we already said, went to Nikita Kucherov over Crosby and McDavid. Cros- uh, McDavid didn't have consecutive games without a point. Just a little factoid, because he's Connor McDavid. Like, in the abstract, that doesn't surprise you, but, like, when you really think mm-hmm. about it, you're like, you didn't have a two-game where you, like, had a hand injury or whatever. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about this a lot this summer and this season, I think. But, Stephen, what team is he going to not have consecutive games where he doesn't four have a point? Four in the future. Four in the future. That was a really oh, long yeah. way of saying, what team is he going to play for that's not Edmonton? Spin the wheel. It's not quite as fun as the uh, Zucker, the Zucker wheel, because he could be anywhere. But McDavid, where does he go? That's a really good. Just question. think about it. Think about it, listener. I've, you got to think about who's like loaded with That's young I mean. talent. Yeah, you never could, know. Like, I could legitimately see like Colorado being like, "Fuck it, McKinnon's so cheap. We're gonna keep them both for four years and just load up and be unstoppable." Uh, but let's we'll talk about it. That'll oh, be a yeah. big storyline this season because when mm. the Oilers are still terrible, which they will definitely be, he is for <sighs> sure demanding a trade after this it's season. It's so much fun because it's one of two things. Either the Oilers are good and you're like, wow, that's fun, or the Oilers are bad and you go, wow, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of players that may or may not be on the move, why don't we go ahead and start talking about your 2019-2020 defending Stanley Cup mm-hmm. champion St. Louis Blues. Someone needs to keep like a, a ticker of how many times you say Stanley Cup mm-hmm. champions. Cause we're going to lean into all that. All the time. Uh, Jared, well, let's talk about first the group of UFAs that we have in-house um, and then we'll kind of lean into some of the more pressing, uh, RFA contracts. Mm-hmm. The UFAs start with, I tried to rank these from irrelevant to most relevant. The UFAs start with Jared Coro, the backup goaltender, backup AHL goaltender we traded for yeah. when we promoted Jordan Bennington. He gone. I thought I had a stroke when I read this name. <laughs> I was like, I pride myself in at least... Being like, yeah, I've heard of that name when they're in our system. And I was like, who the fuck is this? I've never heard of them. And I was like, okay, I guess I remember Don't this. you like how I even wrote you a note, AHL Golden or Thank Jared you. Wrote you and myself in case I forgot between taking the I note. I was like, who? Yeah, uh, he gone. Chris Thorburn, Black Ace, has been here two years. He gone, I think, to retirement how probably. Thirty-four or five. I mean, he's, I mean, he played for the Thrashers. He was like drafted by early in the Atlanta yeah. Thrashers run, so he's not young. 
He's played since 2006. He's yeah. 36 years old. Just retired, buddy. Um, I think he was like, he his birthday was like the night of either game three or like game one of the shitty games in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, he will retire, and I hope it would be cool if the team gave him like a front office role or like a strength and conditioning role or something. Because I think, isn't he like a beast in the gym or something? Yeah, it doesn't. And- I mean, they've said he's a great locker room guy, so just mm-hmm. having him around, I'm sure, would be and great. he'll get the insurance for his son, which would be cool. Yeah, okay, so sorry, Winnipeg, but, like, so he played for Winnipeg for a long time because Thrasher's moved mm-hmm. up there. But don't doesn't he kind of scream, like, oh, I'll just live in St. Louis oh, now yeah. from now on? Yeah, Chris Thorburn's, like, a blues guy. And, like, no offense to Winnipeg, but, like, I would do that, too. Like, <laughs> here's the thing. No offense to Winnipeg, but if you get Awful. your ticket out there... Out of there. Don't go back. Don't go back. Snow Thomas in the winter. Thomas retired there. Great yeah. for him. But, wow. Meth and mosquitoes in the summer. And I'm, I'm, we're in St. Louis, so we have no right to judge anybody. But Winnipeg? A little bit. Yeah. They don't have an airport. <laughs> That's right. Indeed. Drive that home. Michael Delzada. This is a little bit of an interesting MDZ. one. MDZ. Is MDZ and his rockin' body. Lots of lots of swimsuit picks this week. It's hard not to Gonna notice. rock that body. Is he gone? I think this is the Michael Delzato v. Carl Gunnarsson <laughs> offseason. <laughs> I don't... Size up their strengths and weaknesses. They're both lefties, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I yes. know Gunnarsson is. Yeah, okay. they both are. So I think if Gunnarsson leaves, they'll sign... Delzato to like a really maybe just probably just one year, mm-hmm. just as a stopgap for someone like Mikola or the other nine left-handed defensemen we have, uh, Wallman or somebody. Um, but if Gunnarsson does resign, which I would guess is probably like a two-year thing, then I don't think they resign Delzato. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Delzato stick around. I don't think he looked that bad in his seven-game appearance. No, and I also think... And isn't think, he really close friends with Petrangelo? I was going to say, that I always think that weighs just slightly. Yeah. They're like, hey, don't do you want to stay here? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll stay here. I like Petrangelo. I, we were good friends. Would you rather have a decent spot as, like, the seventh defenseman on a cup-winning roster and get to stay around for, like, the banner-raising and all that? Or, like, try and fight your way on to, like, the Canucks or whoever. I realize I was, he came from the Canucks this year, but, like, whatever. I dude. was looking at the last, these last two or three years of his deal. He was at $3 million. I was like, oh, no. That's the weird thing. And we, like, Cutting we, that in half. We talked about it. We talked about it earlier, I think, last week. But, like, who's going to be, like, no thanks, Blues, now? You know, like. None of you can. <laughs> We're looking down from our fucking Taver- high peak. Tavares could have been on this team. It's your fault. I thought about that you could the other day. Ryan I, I mean, was like, wow, way to turn down a cup-winning team, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the other half of the MDZ versus Carl Gunnarsson main event super fight. Carl Gunnarsson <laughs> is, what, 33 years old? 33 or 34. Guessing at random. My Maybe gut 32. is... 32. Maybe 32. 32 years old, November 9th. My gut is Sweden. I think he goes goes back home. I think he's too injury prone now. I like Carl Gunnarsson. He was very good at times this Mm -hmm. season when he was healthy, and he's a good Corsi guy. He finished with almost 54% Corsi on the regular season, but also only 25 games played. He did make it through the playoffs. Only 25 games? Yeah, exactly. Holy shit. He did make it through the playoffs, but 56 
these are his seasons in St. Louis since we traded for him before 2014. 61 games, 72 games, 56 games, 63 games, 25 games. So I just... Is he, should, is he win the new, like, Carlo Koliakovo glass Oh, he's got sporty bones yeah. for sure. Um, I just think, let him, you know, if he... Let him do whatever he wants. I don't think you gotta pay him too much. He's too good to like just give him the like crappy like. He's still gonna make over two million yeah. a year, and so to me, I, he very good. Like I'm not crapping on him, but you can use that money elsewhere. And I don't know that you want to use it on a guy when you can probably get Michael Delzato, who you think is at least going to be healthy when you have to call upon him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's where I use two or three million of my dollars if I'm Doug Armstrong. No, I agree. I like if he stays and, here, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. But it would help the Blues if he left and went to Sweden or something. That yeah. Would, that would help free up space and money for us. And we totally forgot to talk about this, but Doug Armstrong was on the Spit and Chicklets oh, podcast yeah. today, which was hilarious. For those of you that don't know Spit and Chicklets, it's a very coarse and like locker room talk podcast. Mm-hmm. They talk about all sorts of bodily fluids and other disgusting <laughs> things. Uh, but it was a really fun interview, and I, I won't bore you with all of it. Uh, I will try to skim. He talked a lot about his dad being a referee. He talked about drafting guys like Pareko, and he said when you get someone like him in the third round or someone like Vince Dunn in the second round, that really speeds up the process. Uh, He talked about how hard it was to move on from 2016 and losing the guys on that team that he wanted to get to a cup. Um, He talked about the bittersweetness of beating David Backus. And then talking about this year, he said, it was difficult because you think you're doing the right thing. You're getting outside accolades. People said the team has a chance to be competitive. Nick Kiprios picked us to win the cup. You really question your, it makes you question, do you have a pulse of today's game? You think you're adapting to the trends, and then you build a team, and all of a sudden you're in 31st place. I never lost belief in the players, but I started to question if I was assembling teams correctly for today's NHL. Uh, he talked about firing Yo for a bit, talked about how the Ryan O'Reilly trade materialized, uh, his history with Craig Berube at the World Cup, uh, his feelings before Game 7. You got to hear him say the word bullshit, which was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> and then he talked about what he said to the players, and this is, I think, the really important part, the really interesting part. Uh, he said he's play, he talked about Steen specifically. He said he's played a long time. He's a sixty point player. He's asked to go into a third three and what he called a three and a half line role because it wasn't Very a traditional nice. fourth line. Uh, they come out after every goal against. His ice time is down. His fun ice time is eliminated by which he means like power plays, penalty well not penalty kills. He still did some of that, but like if he wasn't on the power, power plays playing against the crappy lines from the other team, that sort of stuff. Um, but he probably played his best hockey as a blue and in a different role. When you have guys like Steen committing to something bigger than themselves, I think it just rubs off on everybody, whereupon Vladimir Tarasenko said, what's a rub off mean? <laughs> uh, but the big quote that I think is telling about our offseason, I mean, you don't want to read it too much into it because it's just practically true, but he said... Uh, 
talking to the team, he said, the reality of our business, we're not all going to be together again. But what you guys did this year is special. He talked about how crazy a story it was. And then he said, everything came together. And I just wanted to let the guys know how fortunate I felt just to be a part of it, to watch them grow as a team and come together. There's a different feeling when you're around guys who get along and commit to each other. I don't think you can win without having that. And I think this year, our team really, really showed that they cared more about each other than they did themselves. Uh, but I think even the, even the saying, the reality of our business, we're not all going to be together again. I mean, some of that's obviously true. Yeah. But I think, and we've talked about it before, I, I really don't get the feeling that this is the Doug Armstrong like victory lap off season. Mm-hmm. I think he's got, for one thing, I don't think we really had finished the rebuild last year. Jordan Cairo wasn't up. Robert Thomas was a, a child. Um we had a lot of kind of like middle aging contracts mm-hmm. and we still sort of do on defense like Carl Gunnarsson and, and Jay Carl Gunnarsson potentially leaving and Jay Bromeister potentially retiring in a year or two is a big change for your left side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think, I don't picture him sitting back and doing nothing. I don't think it's going to be the off season last off season. Yeah. Was. Yeah. But I could see one surprising fairly significant trade and like one decent free agent signing i was like this team still needs i guess doesn't need to but if it wants to stay in the cup hunt with all the other teams improving around you Mm -hmm. it's one of those weird things where like you you can't stay stagnant didn't he even say he had a quote somewhere i don't know if it was this interview but somewhere someone was saying asking him about uh like teams emulating the blues this upcoming season and he was like, I think one of the worst things you can do is try and emulate yeah, the team that just won the cup. Quote. And it's like, and you know what? To be quite honest, the Blues shouldn't emulate the Blues. <coughs> the no. Blues should try to improve because there was there was still improvement needed. <coughs> I think uh, I think Greg Wachinski had a piece about. I that, I think that's too. probably what it was. Yeah, uh, I don't know if he was trying if he was quoting um, Doug Armstrong there, but uh, yeah, it's just he. I think he's exactly who I want at the helm right now. I he don't seems think like he's a very a... forward-thinking GM. <clears throat> yeah, he's not a rest on his laurel kind of guy, laurels kind of guy. I think too when he said he was doubtful a little bit of if he was like assembling the team correctly mm-hmm. within the direction they were going, and then us winning the cup. I think that sort of helps validate that it's like okay, I I put the right players in place. They just had to start playing well together. So I know it's kind of like a pat on the back. Like, I know what I'm doing, so let me, in a sense, double down on that. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I have an acumen for this, and I know what, like what players should fit on this team. Let me go do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't expect him to just sit back and and just let the chips fall where they may, which kind of brings us to our next big name on this list. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh Here's the quote from Wyshynski. had a discussion about heavy hockey and the St. Louis Blues with GM Doug Armstrong. Does he think they reset the template for Stanley Cup teams? And he said, I don't think you'll have success in this league trying to copy the team that won the previous year. Uh, Which is exactly right. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. You always want to be evolving. Uh, So the big UFA name is obviously Patrick Maroon. To that point, and I say this (laughs) with the deepest respect he's a stanley cup champion and he's a hometown hero baby as he said and i'm sure sure he remembers it because he was not drunk at all Mm. when he said that uh god 
I don't want to say this. I don't want to say I don't want them to re-sign Patrick wow. Maroon. A scorching hot take also, on season three, episode one. Also, I do not want them to re-sign <laughs> Patrick Maroon. Scorching. Emotionally, bring this whole team back and play them forever. A thousand percent. Do it. Great. Wonderful. Practically, Patrick Maroon was not very good this year. He was terrible for the first part of the offseason. He found some rhythm with uh, Bozak and Thomas and was a lot better in the second half. And he was good in one playoff series, and then he kind of trickled off again when Thomas got injured and was gone. Mm -hmm. So one could say, correctly, that Robert (laughs) Thomas kind of dragged Patrick Maroon to the better parts of his season. Patrick Maroon's a good piece on a line, but he's not the driver on the line. And I don't... I, 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 I really want to emphasize it's no, it's no disrespect to him, but you've got so many hungry young kids trying to get a spot in this mm-hmm. lineup. I don't... Kairou, you, you can't give that guy a two or three year, three or four million dollar deal. You just can't. And I, I know everyone thinks he's signing for less than that. I personally think that's foolish to assume. I think you're looking at a guy that people... Right or not, we'll look at that seventh game seven winner mm. and look at some of the stuff he did in that series to Elsilindel and and some of the moments he had and just look at him as like that's the guy you need in the playoffs. And somebody, I promise you, somebody is offering him stupid money. The Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> Very possibly. Yeah. They drafted him. Maybe it's time he goes Coming back. Home. I think when he was Coming on when home. he was on Chicklets though, he talked about like I hate that organization. Yeah. But Jay Beagle, I cannot shake this comparison, was like a fourth line center for the Capitals. Wasn't didn't have a substantially better playoffs than the Maroon than Maroon mm. did. I think is older than Maroon. Yeah. And got a three year twelve million dollar contract from the Canucks, the same Canucks that gave uh, France, what's France's name? Uh, Antoine Roussel. Antoine Roussel, thank you. I think this exact same contract, three million, three years, $12 million. And all I'm saying is, when you say that no GM's going to pay up for Patrick Maroon, you're, and I'm not saying you, you, but anyone I, who says that is making the bet that not one of 31 NHL GMs just goes insane for that few minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking the field on that bet. I I think he is. I think our jaws will drop to the floor when we see how much Pat. When he's making gets like paid. five by five. I I would. I'm like that's probably a stretch. Mm-hmm. But I would four by four would not shock me. I mean, it would shock mm-hmm. me, but it would not shock uh, me. Yeah. I've... Think about what Matt Pileski got paid. These guys <laughs> get money when they have a season where they make a name for themselves. They get money every time and i don't think i've seen a lot of people like just sign him for two for two or whatever and if you can do that fine whatever but i don't think it's happening i don't even like i think i'm sticking with you on the years now it's like i don't even want him for cheap for even two or three you can sign like i know he's not going to accept this because like you said other teams will give him more sign him to a one-year deal for more money that's it for me, really. I wrote down here like two years at like two point eight million and nothing more. 
uh, one year at two point five million and nothing more. And this is one of those where I really think Armstrong is the guy that'll be like, "Nope, man, I'm sorry, but it's not happening." That's and that's good. You can good. sign here for this much. I cannot give you more, and I know you can get more elsewhere. And best of luck in that. And I hope he does. Mm-hmm. No, I mean he deserves it. Good, great Go, for please. him. I'll but like for you, he. <laughs> You can't pay, you cannot, I mean, it's David Backus to the extreme. You cannot pay that guy too much for a long time just to watch his body break down from mm. the style of game he plays. And I don't want that to happen. And I, Pat Maroon will be a legend in this town for the rest of his life as soon as he retires. He'll come back and live here and he'll be a hero everywhere he goes. He's right below David Freeze in terms of hometown hero-ness. Mm-hmm. And he deserves to be. It's nothing, none of that is disrespect. The problem is you have 12 spots for forwards, you have $82 million to pay people, and I don't want to give one of those spots and four of those $82 million <laughs> to Pat Maroon. Yeah. Because you've got young guys. And it's the same debate. I had a lot of debates with people. We'll talk about Braden Shen in a while. But it's essentially the same debate. Are you going to pay somebody who's older... A lot more money to play to do a job no better or worse than a younger player, Sammy Blay, for instance, who can come in and do it cheaper with more energy, mm-hmm. with more success. It's the Blackhawks mold. You just churn out your bottom six, keep flipping them over, pay your core, and you just supplement with young, cheap dudes yeah. in the bottom. Yeah. And it works. Do it. So, where do you, I mean, you said two. Did you say where you yeah, want to sit? Yeah, one, one year, $2.5 million per for that year at most. That's it for me. <laughs> Anything, like I said, it's term. If it's two if it's two years or more, like you said, they're eating up space for other people. Where's the room? Yeah. Where's the room for Jordan Cairo? Where's the room for... Because I see people already flipping their lid over Clem Costum being on this team next year. And Which I'm like, okay, where? going to happen, he's, probably. Yeah, he's not going to be here. But... but... Another example, in a year, you want to be paying Pat Maroon for three years when you could have Clem Costin in a year? No, thank mm-hmm. you. No, thank you. And it's, again, we have all the reference in the world for everyone on this team. We will love them all forever. I will gladly buy them a beer any time for the rest of my life, or a pitcher of beers, or a six-pack that they can go and drink where I'm not just, like, <laughs> looking a, at them adoringly. What about a bump? What about a bump of Coke? Sure. I assume that's a cocaine reference, but sure. I sounded, I sounded real street to some <laughs> I, people on this podcast. I sounded very white. I Whatever assume that that's means. a cocaine <laughs> reference, but sure. Where does one partake in such <laughs> drugs? But... Uh, I just, we can't, I tweeted about this yesterday. This team won the Stanley Cup because of momentum, regression, progression to the mean, a red-hot goaltender, and a whole lot of magic. And you can either spend the next off-season or two trying to bottle that magic, which will not work, it has never worked, it won't ever work, or you can be progressive and make decisions that are forward-thinking. And we're going to talk about a few more of those tonight. So do you yeah. have anything more to say about Maroon? Uh, not the best comparison, but don't Brandon sod Pat Maroon. Yeah. You don't, you don't need Pat Maroon. Yeah. You don't need Pat Maroon. That's a, that's a good comparison, not in scale, but yeah, in like yeah. scope. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, and Brandon sod meant more to their Hawks. Blackhawks run than... Yeah. 
But it's just yeah. like the familiarity yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah. basically what I mean. It's like just because he's a familiar face and you like him, that's the whole reason the whole the the saying "it's a business" mm-hmm. exists. And again, back to that army quote: "Just the nature of our business, uh, the reality of our business. We're all not going to be together again." Yeah. That's fine. And that's the thing. It's like, if you're worried, if people get worried on, like, Pat Maroon's behalf, how could they? Pat Maroon fucking gets it. Are you shitting me? He doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. He got his, he got his dream year. Yeah. Now he's going to go get his money. I'm sure he would love his money to come from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He may love it here. And as much as we may have the emotional attachment to him, if it comes down to a decision of taking less money, distinctly less money to stay here, or making more money to go elsewhere... He's going to do that. And I know his son is here, and I know his hometown is here, but he's going to take more money so that his son can go to college wherever he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just not that hard. And I don't want it to be that way necessarily, but it's the reality. the reality of the business. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of another player who may be subject to the reality <laughs> of the hockey world, Robbie Fabry. I think we've seen his last game in a boys' jersey. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know how much longer we can, and I mean this in all due respect to the Blues, can string Robbie Fabry along. Mm-hmm. And both parties are right. Robbie Fabry probably wants to be somewhere where he gets regular playing time, mm-hmm. and he should. And the Blues should also not feel like they have to constantly keep this guy at a one-year contract every year to be like well maybe he gets it this year maybe he gets it this year Mm -hmm. maybe he's healed this year because the blues extending him to anything beyond two years is silly Mm -hmm. and robbie fabry saying okay that's fine i'll do one year contracts for the rest of my life like i'm 36 year old lee stepniak um it's also crazy yeah so i just don't think it's a it's a match the the only thing that's fair to robbie fabry at this point is to send him somewhere where he can get top six minutes mm-hmm. and they can just see whether it's, you know, it's it's going to be a shitty team. I hate to say that, but whether it's Ottawa or Anaheim mm-hmm. or whoever, Detroit. Send yeah, he'd to, be cool in Detroit. Yeah, where other guys are flying up and down the ice, send him to a team where they can commit to him getting top six, top nine minutes, and see if he has it. And I hope he does. I hope he makes us look awful. But the reality is, he's not going to get those minutes here. Mm. This and team can't he's commit. Then clogging, yeah. clogging up the and works. He's never gonna. He's never gonna prove, especially to Barubi, who I think is like. <laughs> Doug Armstrong talked at one point in that Chicklets interview about like, well, if you don't do your job. Enough times he gets fed up and then you lose your fine time altogether. And I was like, he's talking about Robbie Family, isn't he? <laughs> um, I don't think that's a good fit between those guys. They don't seem to have a lot of chemistry with each other. And I just think it's fair to Robbie to send him to a place where he can potentially thrive. Yeah, I'd love for him to do well. I'd have like a zero ill feelings against him. Yeah, but it's just it just feels like it's time. Mm-hmm. Um Let's talk about Zach Sanford and what Let, he's going to make. Let's talk about for a moment how Let's I watched... not talk about Zach Sanford for a minute. Yeah, no, we are going to talk about Zach Sanford and his projectile vomiting. Oh, yes. During the parade. I watched this gif over and over again because I didn't see it at first. It's almost like the same color as the person's shirt or skin that's right next to mm-hmm. him. So I'm like, uh, I don't know. I can't tell. And then when you... It's one of those... 
like optical illusions that once you see it, I was like, holy shit, he puked so much. (laughs) And I talked about it on Spit and Checklets, like, why don't you try and puke down your, like, into your jersey or, like, somewhere else? I think it looks like he's trying to hide it because he kind of tucks his chin, but it's just, like, straight down in his lap. Yeah, yike. Wow, I wish they could have talked to him before all that because I would love to hear Zach Sanford blitzed. Out blitzed they yeah. did talk to him at one point. Yeah, and he seemed fine. Was he? Was it post-vomit? I don't know. Like, uh, was there vomit in the car when he was like, eh. <laughs> Was there vomit on his mouth? What's around um, your face, Zach? <laughs> oh, it's nothing. I'm just having a good time. Uh, Sanford's an interesting case. Um... He, in 60 games, he was... Can you believe he played 60 this year? No. Zach Sanford was a 2.0 point share player at age 24. I looked... What I did for a lot of these contracts was I looked at last year's point shares, and I tried as best I could to find comparable players. I think point share is not very great, but it's the fairest way to find like an overall measure of mm. players rather than just points when it's like, yeah, but he's a defenseman. That means a lot more, whatever. Um, the best comparison I could come up with was Martin Furk had 2.0 point shares in 68 games at 20 at age 24 last year, and then he signed a one-year $1.05 million contract. Adam Lowry had 2.1 point shares at age 24, uh, with a higher projected ceiling, but just 45 games, and he signed a three-year, $2.9 million contract. I think those are your goalposts on Sanford, meaning I think it goes between those. I think it'll be closer to the FERC end of the spectrum, uh, and I think both sides will be interested in a prove-it deal, assuming he gets more playing time. I'm saying one year at $1.5 million. Yeah, I'd say the... I'd say that sounds about right. Was that what Robbie Fabry was making this year? I think so, Something yeah. like that? Yeah, I could see that. You have two screens in front of you. I don't you. know. You I give up. up. Our system in this brand new computer keeps stopping randomly, so that's comforting. Um, Ivan Barbashev, he did not projectile vomit in the parade. He did fall off a truck. Yeah. Oh, did you see that? That looks scary. My favorite part was Joel Edmondson and Robbie Fabry rea- reacting, not at all. And the flag waving guy kind of looking like, how'd you end up down there? There is. That was like a 10 foot drop. <laughs> there is a rift in that locker room. <laughs> they did not care for Ivan Barbashev's safety. Someone told them to hit the brakes. You fucking got suspended. You betrayed us. You betrayed us. Uh, at age 23, he had 26 points and a 2.5 point share in 80 games this season. Last season, Mark Jankowski had 2.5 point share in 35 points in 72 games. He signed two years, 1.675 million per. I would say ours is right about there, two years at 1.7 million. I could see it being like a an 8.5 or whatever, yeah. Considering, too, that... Barbashev did have the one really promising rookie year mm-hmm. and then had the year where he was last year's <laughs> Barbashev. And then <laughs> I hope like five years from now we're still doing this podcast and we're talking about six years ago, Ivan's six years ago's <laughs> Ivan Barbashev <laughs> when he is like a Houston oil baron at that point. What if they just lifted the name from the WHL? Um what did you think about Barbashev? Yeah, I I just think it's probably a little clo- like closer to two because oh, I feel like they give him the the cup stamp of approval. Uh-huh. You helped us win. 
Sammy Blay is really hard to predict because he showed up in the playoffs, but not before that. What are your thoughts on Blay? Yeah, I this is the guy that I think is really easy to sign where it's probably just going to be a skosh over a million. A skosh. Just a skosh. Just a dab. Like two years at like 1.1. 1. 1. So his contract sees $1 million and he's like, oh, just going to sneak past. Yeah, uh, just a little <laughs> bit on top because of the cup win. Thank you very much. Not a big deal. Yeah, Sammy Blay, I'm really excited to see if he gets more playing time next year, but um, I think he'll still probably be like a fringe in and out on Probably. the shuttle kind of guy, at least for one more year. But, yeah, I mean, I think two and around 1 to 1.2 isn't... That's not hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. Oscar Sunquest, very interesting. This is my favorite one. Just reading your notes, I'll let you, you go ahead. You you read your notes Why? To because me. they're ridiculous? No, because your prediction was was good, I will say, because I was afraid what I predicted was, like, going to be wildly inaccurate oh, somehow. No. You're going to be like, no, no, no to me. <laughs> Five for seven million. Uh, so Oscar's 25. He's not really a kid prospect anymore. Mm-hmm. This is his second organization and his second Stanley Cup. <laughs> he had 31 points and a point share of 2.9 this season and 74 games after his brains got unscrambled. <laughs> Last year, Dylan DeMello had 3.0 points shares in 2017 and got a two-year $900,000 contract from the Ottawa Senators. However, he's a defenseman, so he's not a perfect comp. Josh Anderson, I think, is a much better comp. He did roughly the same uh, last season as Ivan, or excuse me, as Oscar Sundquist did this season, uh, and but his contract came a year before that, uh, and he signed a contract that year at three years, $22.1 million per season. I think Barbashev and Anderson... I don't know why I keep saying Barbershop. Sunquist and Anderson are very similar players in a lot of ways. They're yeah. kind of your beloved, gritty, two-way, scoring threat slash penalty kill type of guys. Um, and honestly, those contracts feel pretty close to me. So I see Sunquist making something in the three-year, $2 million range, two to three years, probably around two to maybe even 2.5 on the like generous end. Mm-hmm. Uh which gives him the flexibility so that if this breakout is like 100% legit and he's just like a next level, like middle six player, then he'll be 28 yeah, or like young 29 when he hits free agency and he can get paid accordingly. Uh, and it gives the Blues a little bit of flexibility by not overpaying him. What did you think? Yeah, I was thinking that he's definitely going to get more than Barbashev. I would think he would get the Barbashev treatment. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about in our playoff episodes how, like, holy shit, I thought Sunquist and Barbashev were kind of the same-ish person. Mm-hmm. But not at all. No. Especially as Oscar Sunquist plays, like... Barbashev, pretty important. Yeah. Oscar Sunquist, very, very important. So I was like, okay, if he's a very important player playing over 20 minutes a night in, like, your most important games... You got to make over two million. I could a year. see him pushing closer to three. I could see that, and then with the U with the fact that he's leading up to UFA, but yeah, that he's gonna say, okay, I, I want yeah, we'll do like two or three years, something uh-huh. like that. If if he had played like this the previous season, let's say, or even close to it, I was gonna say I could see this being our weird like, um, not that he's Victor Arvidsson, but the weird like 
low amount of money, but for like seven years mm. sort of thing. We're like, whoa, we signed Oscar Sunquist to like 3.25 for six years. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, why? <laughs> like, cool, cool, but why? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the fact that this was like his breakout year, I think they'll keep it smaller. So I think over in general, too, I think Armstrong's probably learned his lesson about like longer yeah contracts with Bergwin and Saboka well Saboka to a lesser extent because he wasn't very long but Bergwin and uh Laterra and those kinds of guys Steen although you know has turned into something very valuable Steen's contract not helpful so yeah I just say two to three years and like two to three million on his deal Mm -hmm. here's one that I don't want to talk about here we go we've talked about joel edmondson a lot this year and i'm not trying to pick on joel uh, but he needs to join pat maroon on the bus out of town (laughs) i like joel i like joel edmondson a lot he's a fun guy uh he's our like best young left-handed defenseman so we don't really have a replacement for him however Here's the thing. Edmondson had 25 years old, had only 11 points, but was a plus 8 with a 3.3 point share. Last season, Brett Pesci had 19 points and was a 3.4 point share before signing a six-year $4.025 million contract. Edmondson is not Brett Pesci, but his agents are going to tell Doug Armstrong that he is. Mm, and Brett and, Pesci didn't win a cup. Yeah, and Joel Brett Pesci did. didn't help win a cup. Uh, so that's your high end. Six by four is not unbelievable for Edmondson. I would be unbelieved at it, but it would not be unbelievable on its face. Brian Dumoulin, similar point share, similar age, also a lengthy $4 million contract. Nikita Zaitsev, same age, same range, same length of contract, $4.5 million. My fear is, we, as much as we can talk about Eddie Sat part of the uh, conference part of the Stanley Cup final. He's inconsistent. He's slower for a defenseman in today's game. He's not a scoring th- threat. As much as we can lob all of those things across the mm-hmm. table at him, he can lob across the table that he's your best and your youngest and your still most consistent left-handed defenseman. And those guys are making $4 million on a contract if, if they're not the elite puck-moving guys. Brett, Pe- you know, all those guys that just named Pesci kind of leveled up this year, I think. But all those guys I just named had very similar seasons around the time they signed $4 million contracts. I think Edmondson's going to make something around four per season for a longer contract than any of us are comfortable with. Here's the other thing he's already done us the favor. This year was the favor year. Mm-hmm. This year was the year where he waited and saw everybody else get their money in free agency, and he said, fine, I'll sign one year for $3 million. Look, nobody's starving on $3 million. I'm not implying that he got screwed. But this was the year where he was like, no, I'll help you guys out. Mm-hmm. So next year's the year where we got to scratch his back. And I don't think we should do it because I don't <laughs> think Joel Edmondson is Brett Pesci or even Nikita Zaitsev to a lesser extent. Better defender, certainly. Not the puck mover Zaitsev is. And I just don't... I would rather us spend $4 million plus dollars on someone who can really play top minutes and really like be a power play quarterback or an offensive threat 
Jake Gardner, whoever, mm-hmm. on the left side than pay Edmondson $4 million and just be kind of like, well, at least we'll still have him when Bo Meester retires or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? That's my thought on Edmondson. Somebody will pay him four-plus years for four-plus million dollars. I hope it isn't us. I was like, yeah, this guy is our biggest trade bait chip. Currently. And the other thing is, when I talk about Edmondson and when we'll talk about Shen at some point... Like you said, somebody would pay pretty good trade mm-hmm. return to get a Joel Edmondson. Yeah. So it's not like you're just giving him away. I would say more so on, I guess we'll talk about two of them, but more so on Shen, I'm willing to like wait. Like it's not like, oh no, okay, is this all, is our best offer, that's it? Okay, mm-hmm. you can have Shen then. No, 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 I'll wait on Shen. Braden especially, Shen. I, I, if, we, if we don't trade him and he just walks, walks that's, that's not the right. end of the world. That's, I don't um, love it. I never love that. Yeah, but... But I'll live with it. If we make another playoff push and playoff run, that's that's like trading <laughs> for a piece of the deadline. God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we have... Do you I, like how my eyes lit up? You're like, here it comes. <laughs> Joel Edmondson, we, because he's RFA, we just have more... I mean, we can trade his rates. We can sign him a thing and then trade him. It just all depends. But yeah, I, 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 I would ideally... I forgot... That this one year deal was at three million. Uh, so my ideal thing was gonna be like, oh, we'll pay him like three point one five for like three years or something. But no, that's out of the question. Mm. The guy's making a million more for sure per year. Yeah. And given all those contracts you just listed, I, yeah, I don't want, I don't need him here for six years. Mm-hmm. And if he, is, if that's what you sign him to, he's not gonna be here for that long. We will trade him at some point, and when we do, we're gonna get remarkably less. For him. Yeah, I took the pulse of the room just out of curiosity and tweeted, Would you rather pay Joel Edmondson four million plus over four more seasons or trade him? Sixty two percent of people said trade him, thirty eight percent of people said keep him. Uh which I think is uh, I'm not surprised. That's I'm actually a little surprised it was more, more trade him than keep him. I'm glad it's cl- at least... And I'm kind of glad because, yeah. I'm, for one thing, that just tells me in general we're kind of we're a sound crazy. mind and, like, not in the keep everybody for whatever amount. And then a certain point... Pay John Carlson $75 billion because oh, you can't lose John Carlson. Think of how you, you have to up... <laughs> how you have to up people. Petrangelo's going to get... Resigned. Like, I'm 99 I think people are sure. sleeping on the fact that Petrangelo needs a contract yeah. this year. Bennington needs a contract. Dun, Dun, Nobody's sleeping on that. Dunn Dun gets one, one next. Two years. Yeah. Along with Schwartz. Schwartz, Let's too, pull yeah. up Cap friendly for I was a looking at it. And yeah. I hope the Cap, hope the computer doesn't die again for no reason. The people but. you don't have to worry about on this team right now are Ryan O'Reilly and... Vladimir Tarasenko, yeah. as far as core pieces that are signed for a while. They're mm-hmm. like five more years, both of them? Yeah. Four more years? Braden Shen is a UFA next year. Mackenzie McEachern is an RFA. Who cares? And I mean, no offense. But <laughs> Petrangelo, though, is a UFA. Bo Meester maybe retires. I, you know, maybe he retires this summer still, but I hope not. I yeah. hope he would tell us. Um, <laughs> and then Dunn and, to a lesser extent, Schmaltz are UFAs. RFAs after this year. So, yeah, I mean, Dunn particularly and uh, Shin, obviously, and Petrangelo. I don't think... I, I will talk about it in a minute. Don't let me forget. I really doubt Braden Shin stays here after next year. But those other two guys, you have to get. Like, you have to keep. 
That's Petrangelo. Yeah. We were talking about it before this season, and like, is there a way you don't keep him? Sure, because you have Colton Pareko, and mm. he's a phenomenally good right-handed defenseman. Also, though, he's the captain that lifted your cup. And if there is going to be a guy that you're like sentimental about, it should probably be him. Colton, and he's yeah. very good. It's not like a. It's not like a. Um, nepotism thing he very much deserves to stay but. yeah and colton Preco has three or more years on his contract so if you extend petrangelo then you have three years i mean you've got three years of both those guys still together that's a nice little window before you have to worry about what you got to pay Pareko or if you get to keep both of them or what yeah you'll keep petrangelo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when if that's the case then you just have to look at Braden shen and be like are you going to pay Braden shen seven and a half million dollars that's what you're going to have to pay Braden Shen. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. Insane. We'll talk about yeah. Kevin Hayes in a minute, and that's when we can talk. Yeah, about we'll talk Shen, more about but... him. Yeesh. Uh, you did the hard work on the Bennington contract, so why don't you walk us through that? Yeah. So Jordan Bennington, I'm sure, is what people will say. Well, we can pay him whatever. Steve Dangle, I think it was Jesse in the Steve Dangle podcast said if if the Blues paid him ten million dollars, Blues fans wouldn't be upset because he won us a cup, and that's worth it. And you know what? He's like. Half right. Yep, you're right. Not going to be that upset. I would give Jordan Bennington a one-year deal. Wouldn't that be great? That's your reward. Here's your one contract for $10 million this year. You won us the cup. Now, the year after this, though, you got to work for it again. Yeah, they should. Um, Yeah, so recent goalies that come to mind, young goalies, rookie goalies that were... a big impact on their team was uh, Matt Murray came to mind for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Murray and... The fi- significant difference being that Murray's a lot younger. Yeah, and yeah. Much, like, better prospect. He was, like, 21, uh, I think, when he came in in 15-16. And, like, again, he was only started 13 games the regular season. But definitely the best comp we have, because before yeah. that, you're looking at fucking Cam Ward, pretty much. So. Yeah, and if that's, that's kind of the... <laughs> it's a, a long ways off. That was 2006... But also you have, like, polar opposites, uh-huh. really, in terms of everything. Murray, 13 games started in 15-16. Really good stats uh, for those 13 games. Nine, or .93 save percentage, two uh, goals against average. Murray in the 15-16 playoffs, 21 games started. About the same um, stats for the playoffs, too, which is really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, won the Stanley Cup with a record of 15-6. and six. Murray then in 16-17 got the uh, lion's share of the starts, 49 games started, .923 save percentage, and a 2.41 goes against average in the regular season for 16-17. And then in the playoffs, that was more, I believe, where he shared it with um, Fleury a little bit more. Only 10 games started, but a .937 save percentage, 1.7 goals against average, so really good for the few games he started. And then we know Bennington, uh, 30 games started the regular season this year, 0.927 save percentage, 1.89 goals against average, and playoffs, a, l- a little bit of a dip. We knew you, I, I guess you'd call it, it's weird to say because he played really well, and it re- kind of reflected the team in front of him, but he was slightly inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, but... Not f- bad. The flip side of that, though, is if you remove the, like, three games where he got really blitzed, his yeah. numbers skyrocket. That is the thing. When he lost, he lost big. Uh-huh. And that's why, like, he's got a... Winnipeg had one where it was, like, yeah. 6-0, and then the... 
obviously game three and game six and against Boston. When I think the first Sharks game was like four two or something. Maybe that was one. Yeah, but like. He also stood on his head in games. Yeah, seven. I mean, so that's why he has a point nine one four save percentage and two point four six goals against average. So it's a little, looks a little I less. I think it is greatly to our benefit yeah. though that he came down to earth. Oh no, very much so. So all those numbers are to say that Murray signed a contract extension after the fifteen sixteen Cup run, so mm-hmm. before the second Cup run, for three years at three point seven five million. Uh, Bennington. To has, me, that's like your north end. Yeah, that's what I mean. So Bennington's proven a lot. He just can't. I mean, he was he an play, AHL goaltender. He didn't play a whole season. With no prospects who played half a season. I know he's, and maybe he fights you hard enough. Mm-hmm. And like, you there's a Kate. There's a possibility you just go to arbitration for this year. I hate that. It I don't seems think like it the kind of that. human who would. But I don't yeah. think it goes to that. I don't want that. But like. If he's like, no, you've got to give me, you know, whatever, four by four, five by four, whatever. Yeah. You can't. You just have to be like, no, I don't. I can't. I cannot. I think it's in Jordan. Because look at ben- what we're yeah. paying Jake Allen right now. It's in Bennington's best interest to ask for a shorter contract. Yeah. Especially because then he'll be UFA after like what two years, one yeah, year. Yeah. Best case scenario for him, two year deals, three million. He's a UFA. Somebody's got to pay him a lot of money if he's this mm-hmm. good. Exactly. You know? That's why I think they'll sign him to. Like, two years, three million, maybe like And the 3. thing about 25. that is, if he, if he gives, if he, two years at 3.25, let's say, the number you just said, he signs that, he's really good this year, you immediately extend him. Mm-hmm. You know? You just say next year, okay, let's get this done. Mm. And maybe he falls off the table after that. At that point, what do you, what are you going to do? You know, like Billy Husso. Yeah, exa- well, exactly. <laughs> At that point, you can draft and develop another guy, mm. uh, or just develop Billy Husso. But yeah, I just think I don't think they'll go overboard with it as much as Doug Armstrong did. Had that whole quote about, "Oh yeah, he's going to get paid." It's like, yeah, but some but of he, that you is... can all you can also look at Jake Allen in the mirror and be like, "Okay, he's going to get quote unquote paid." Yeah, I'm not going to go nuts. With some him. of that. Two could just be posturing to say, yeah, like, we love this guy, we're paying him, but, like, we're not going to overpay him, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, You talked about that leaves us with under a million dollars if all our projections are correct. Yeah, if Edmondson, well, that was if Edmondson signs for, like, 3.15 million. And Maroon resigns. Yeah, if Edmondson gets his four, then we're looking at, I mean, we're looking at no cap room, basically. But we also forgot about Jake Allen, who I think is gone. Has to be. Because you can't. I mean, I think you can... If you can trade him anywhere for any price, you have to. You have to. From just... For from his liter- sake. Yeah. For his sake, for one thing. But also just from a money perspective, you can't have a guy playing 30 games for you making yeah. four point whatever, one something yeah. million dollars. 4.3? For two more years, I think. Uh-huh. Which, to be honest, on the right team is stomachable. You sure. just got two more years of that, but for us, when Four you're like cap strapped, three five. Ooh, man, he was Doug Armstrong was drinking. <laughs> yeah, good. he was doing a bump of coke. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the end of our well. Other free agents in the system, we got Tyler Weatherspoon, who's a Group Six free agent. That is basically a polite way of saying we don't even care enough about him <laughs> to keep him a restricted free agent. Jordan Nolan is leaving. Chris Butler, if he decides to keep playing, will play in the Blues organization. 
Uh, I would think, right? I mean, yeah. there's no reason. If he's, if he's happy in the role he's been in for half a decade now, yeah. why would you ever ask him to leave it, you know? Remember when he used to play for, like, the Flames? I think that's where he was mm-hmm. before. He that. was, like, a professional NHL player yeah, for real. the Flames. That's, like, weird. Uh, Connor Bleakley, who is a guy we redrafted in, like, the fourth or fifth round Welcome after back. he was once a first-round pick, probably gone from the organization, Nikita Sashnikov. Uh, did he already leave for yeah, the KHL officially? Did. That's fine. I mean, I'm sad. I would have liked to see him get more of a chance, but fine. Nolan Stevens, which will give some two-way nothing deal to mm-hmm. Mitch Reinke, who maybe gets an eens of money considering his name is now permanently tied to Keith Yandel, but probably not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that don't know, he broke Keith Yandel's San Antonio Rampage rookie scoring record. <laughs> so, there you uh, Let's talk a little bit. You want to go for the draft first? Not that Ooh, we have much to say. One question for you, because it'll be multiple years. How long do you think they signed Craig Berube to? Ooh, four. Four? Yes. I say three. How long do you think is the earliest we would ever consider firing him go <laughs> if things just went in the absolute shitter? Like this year, like if it's yeah. awful this yeah. year. He oh, gets a full year, no question. No I, question. Only because even with this team, I root for chaos. I would hope that if we're in the shitter, we just fucking can his ass. <laughs> You know, Craig, you weren't actually that good last year. Get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) See ya. Uh, Oh, that'd be awesome. I would die. Go croach Seattle, you bitch. (laughs) Just fucking don't let the door hit you on the way out of Oh, that'd be... Hilarious. Uh, no, he'll get. He'd get like a full year. He'd his, get a year and a half to turn it around. His mildly offensive, stereotypical nickname would fit right in with Seattle's WHL team's mildly offensive, stereotypical. Every nickname. time people started chanting "Chief" at the at the rally, I was, like, oh. like, oh. was kind of like, eh, does, <laughs> does he like this? He must. He's <laughs> got to be okay with it. Um, the, the Blues wow. have. Picks in the second, third, fifth, fifth and, and seventh, seventh round. Yeah. Not a deep draft year. I would not be shocked if they ended up with a first round pick. I hope they do. By trading Drake out. <laughs> God. Would you just fucking lose your mind if that, like whoever whoever eighteen is? I have no idea, but like. 18 walks up. Or one of the teams that's, like, bad but has two picks, like the Rangers or whoever. It won't be the Rangers. They've got two goalies, but whoever it is. And they walk up to the podium, and they're like, there's been a train. And it's like, the St. Louis Blues. And you're like, Ottawa traded for Braden Shin. And they're like, have traded Jake Allen in the third-round pick for the 16th overall pick. And you're just like, what? Fucking making magic happen again. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Doug, we forget Doug has the magic hands. Goddamn Um If the Blues do pick with only their picks, they will not choose until Saturday afternoon, 62nd overall pick. Who do you want them to take? <laughs> uh, Igor. Ozhigan. I was like Igor Yepeshlev. I want them to take... Fetter Gurdiv! Fetter Gurdiv forever! More like Forever Gurdiv! He's a real player, but I still want him to Um, Mitch Mickelson. 
I like it. This random mock draft I have has us drafting Matvey Guskov out of the London Knights. He sounds just as real as anyone I listen. <laughs> Followed by the Oshawa Generals 6-2 right winger Nando Eggenberger. <laughs> For us? Yes. Oh, I hope so. In the fifth round, we take Sasha Mutala of the Tri-City Storm. What and Mr. Irrelevant. Oh my god. This guy's name like Pooper Nickel. It better be. Is it Cliff Poo? His name, if you just pronounce it how it looks, uh. is Roman Bitchkaw. <laughs> his name is Roman B Y C H K O V Bitchkaw. <laughs> Can't wait to hear Doug Armstrong, uh, Darren Pang pronounce that as Bite Cove or whatever. Oh, Bitch Cove. <sighs> God willing, we draft Roman Bitch Cove. <laughs> oh, that's right. We get the last, last pick, yeah. There's a guy in late rounds of the draft. These guys have him going to Washington from the Sarnia Sting. His name is Braden. God. <laughs> sure it's Guy. <sighs> Probably. God, there's... I love hockey names. That's the best part of the draft, really. Mm-hmm. How about Taro Gentsch <laughs> from the Sherbrooke Phoenix? That's like he gave up on his last name. <laughs> That'll be the guy we pick because we gotta pick all them sh-sounding people. Jaden Schwartz, Merrick Schwartz. Oh, there's like a Schwan or Schwen. <laughs> He's the next one. Uh, there's a Schwint. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Cole Schwint of Mississauga. Uh, we Schwent Blues. <laughs> <laughs> How about Jackson Vandalist of the Calgary Hitmen? Man, that guy sounds very rich. Oh, very much. Yes. Yes, indeed. So it could be any of these guys. I don't know much about the back end of the draft. Jack Hughes is going number one overall, Capo Caco number two. It'll be funny to see if Chicago passes up on Alex Turcott, the hometown kid, and we get the Jesse Puglia-Yarvey face. That'll be fun. <laughs> Beyond that. Um, Someone needs to... It'll be just for me. If someone needs to find that Jesse Pulley clip of him looking weird, like why wasn't I third? Mm-hmm. And put uh, home improvements Tim Allen uh, over it. <laughs> that'd be great. Let's talk about <laughs> league news, and we can kind of try and speed through some of this. Um, but we probably won't. We will because not. A lot of people deserve to be daggered, and we gotta like ease people down from the three and a half hour high of the last episode. The Philadelphia Flyers have acquired defenseman Matt Niskanen from the Washington Capitals in exchange for defenseman Radko Gudis. You know what's a good idea, Ian? Trade one of your better defensemen for another team's worst defenseman. You know what makes that trade better? Even better is if the worst defenseman is paid more than the better (laughs) defenseman. And you know how you top all that off? Retaining salary (laughs) on the better defenseman. (laughs) Uh, why don't you read this quote from Matt Niskanen that you wrote down? Wait, was Michael Neuverth of the Flyers backed up? Yes. Okay, so they were, okay, gotcha. Why? Oh, did they fight or something? Or no, Radko Gudis. 
Then he married up his, his sister. sister. Yeah. And then I forgot Michael Neuwirth used to be the backup boy for Washington. I thought that was mm-hmm. happening. Anyways, yes, from NBC Sports, uh, this is on Matt Niskanen. At first, Matt was a little surprised, in quotes, <laughs> and caught a little off guard. He had just been traded by the Capitals, a team with which he had won the 2018 Stanley Cup and experienced fond memories, and was now headed to a division rival. But after Niskanen spoke with the Flyers' general manager, Chuck Fletcher, blah, his emotions slowly started to shift. Fletcher wanted Niskanen to believe in the Flyers' situation and how the accomplished defenseman could be integral to it taking off. I like how he said he, he wanted him to believe that. Yeah, that's any GM ever. Uh, let's see, Niskanen said, he said he likes their team, he felt that this was, that they were ready to pop off. <laughs> On Fletcher, he said he kind of feels the same way that I do about the group here. Young talent, they're close, just need to add some more pieces along the way. And Matt Niskanen was your piece? I don't understand this trade for the Flyers at all. No, I don't get it. At all. There are trades that I understand a little bit. This I do not understand at all. Did they, they have retained a need? $1 million and 5000 additional dollars on Brad Kogutis. Matt Niskanen at age 32 has two years remaining at $5.75 million, so they're effective, effectively paying Matt Niskanen two years, $6.75 million, or the 6.75 only for the first year. Um... He's 32. He's. They got rid of Andrew McDonald, and they're like, well, we aren't pay, overpaying any right handed defensemen. Yeah, we Why got money we sitting get around. Matt Niskanen. We got to get Matt Niskanen. Because everybody needs a Matt Niskanen. Is he like a good locker room guy? Is he going to I coach hope. Provorov, who doesn't I need hope. help? Who's he helping? I don't know. Brad Kogutis, by the way, one year remaining at a new cap hit of $2.34 million. You know what's interesting about Brad Kogutis? He's better in every way than Matt Neskinen <laughs> and cheaper. How do you have to retain salary on a guy? Baffling. Because Chuck if Fletcher is Chuck a bad Fletcher, GM. Yes, yes. And we aren't bad. even done with Chuck Fletcher, but... If you're Chuck Fletcher, don't you say, listen, I'll gladly help retain salary. You have to give me a sixth round pick. <laughs> I have to present this to the world. <laughs> to my people. <laughs> like, you don't understand. You? I don't want to... I'm getting bent over, but I need to make like, sure I, it doesn't like, look like it. Even if you're like... Even if you're like I really think Matt Neskinen helps this team. Like, even if you really believe that, mm-hmm. if you're keeping money on the younger, cheaper guy with less years on his contract, don't you have to be like, give me something. You're like 17th best prospect, a pick, something. Mm-hmm. Just to make it look a little less ridiculous on its face. That's what I mean. It just doesn't look good on paper. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't look good in practice either, but... Uh, Ian, don't get excited, but can you make some breaking news sound effects? I was going to make the sad the sad European ambulance noise. Wee-oo, 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 wee-oo. 
This just breaking, the National Hockey League announced today a series of rule changes oh, for the 2019-20 season, which will include the use of expanded video review and enhanced player safety initiatives, as well as promoting even more offense and flow in the game. Ooh, I love a good flow. The rule changes were unanimously approved. Shall we read through these? Expansion of Coach's Challenge. New category! (laughs) In addition to Coach's Challenge for Offside and Interference on the Goalkeeper, a third category (laughs) will allow for the Coach's Challenge of Goal Calls on the Ice that follow plays in the offensive zone that should have resulted in a play stoppage, but did not wow. hand pass Thank and God. trip, but hand pass. I don't know if that counts trip, though, because that's a penalty that they didn't call on the ice. This change will allow challenges of play that may involve pucks that hit the spectator netting. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, Columbus. Pucks no, that are high for Columbus. Pucks that are high-sticked to a teammate in the offensive zone, pucks that have gone out of play but are subsequently touched in the offensive zone, and hand passes that proceed without a play stoppage and ultimately conclude in the scoring of a goal. Plays that entail discretionary stoppages, for example, penalty calls, will not be subject to a coach's challenge. Man, this new season's got some really nice buff patch. Coaches... (laughs) Coaches' challenges for these types of plays and for offside challenges will only be available if the puck does not come out of the attacking zone between the time of the missed infraction and the time the goal is scored. You know what's shitty about that is like somebody's gonna high stick the puck like on the line and they're mm. gonna be like, oh, but it's not in the zone yet. It's yeah. not in the zone. Penalties for unsuccessful challenges. The number of coaches' challenges that can be made will no longer be limited based on the availability of a team's timeout. Teams will be permitted to exercise a coach's challenge at any time, but with ex- escalating consequences for unsuccessful challenges. The consequence of unsuccessful coaches' challenges will be made consistent across all three categories of coaches' challenges. One, minor penalty for delaying the game on a club's first unsuccessful coaches' challenge. Two, a double minor penalty for delaying the game for each additional coaches challenge they don't have the balls to put a major for a third unsuccessful <laughs> coaches challenge One fucking, uh, john if you're Tortorella. in that deep aren't you haven't you already lost the game don't yeah, you john just Tortorella get freaks out challenge again <laughs> like, oh god john no <laughs> the sit room in toronto will continue to be responsible for initiating video review in the final minute of regulation time and overtime as well as continue to have final authority over all coaches challenges video review decisions with input and consultation from both the on-ice official and a former official staffed in the Situation Room. And yet again, I have to wait for the forward pass to be eliminated. (laughs) Referees review of major match penalty calls and double minor high-sticking penalties. Referees will be required to conduct an on-ice video review for all major non-fighting and match penalties. They assess on the ice for the purpose of A, confirming the penalty, or B, reducing the penalty to a two-minute minor penalty. Referees shall not have the option to rescind a called penalty all together. Referees will also have the ability to conduct an on-ice video review to confirm, or not, their original call on the ice, and in particular, whether the stick causing the apparent double minor for high sticking uh, was actually the stick of the player being penalized. So, like, a teammate's stick. 
<clears throat> Other approved rule changes. Helmets. Subject to further consultation with the Players Association on precise language. Player on the ice whose helmet comes off during play must A. Exit the playing surface or B. Retrieve and replace his helmet properly on the head. Player who is making a play on the puck or who is in position to make an end play on the puck uh, immediately... <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> immediate play on the puck at the time his helmet comes off shall be given a reasonable opportunity to complete the play before either exiting the ice or retrieving uh, line changes for defensive teams the defensive team will not be permitted a line change when a goalie freezes the puck on any shot oh from outside the center red line okay fine that's <laughs> similarly if the actions of a skater or the defensive team cause a stoppage by unintentionally dislodging the net from its moorings, the defensive team will not be permitted to make line changes. I like that. In both of these instances, the offensive team will have the choice of which end zone dot the faceoff will take place in. Uh, faceoffs following an icing and to begin a power play, we're almost done here. Following an icing, as well as the beginning of any power play, the offensive team will have the choice of which end zone dot. Uh, awarded goal. If the goalpost is deliberately displaced by a goalkeeper during the course of a breakaway, or goal will be awarded to the non-defending team. When the attacking team is responsible for the puck going out of play in the attacking zone, in all instances, the faceoff will be conducted at one of the two faceoff one of the two faceoff dots in the attacking zone. There you go. That's all. <laughs> there you go. Uh. Speaking of people in West County Mall, Pat Maroon will be at Dick's in West County Mall on Saturday. Oh, I'm He's a hometown impressed. hero, baby. Pat, Ryan O'Reilly's going to be there Friday. Ryan O'Reilly also total man rocket. Mm-hmm. We'll also be there with our own booth. That's true. For, That's true. for signings of our own headshots <laughs> that we took in a backyard. Can I, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Did you by any chance have open a history of... Something European role-playing games I article. Did. Good, because it told me to open it on my computer. Oh, I can just make you Max look Max are creepy. Uh, let's move on through the rest of these trades. The Pittsburgh Penguins acquired Dominic Cahoon in a fifth-round pick in 2019 NHL draft from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Ole Mata. Care to describe Jim Rutherford's <laughs> response to this trade? That's my favorite. He said, we certainly had to make a move from a cap point of view. Uh, we were getting ourselves to a point where we might have been in a little trouble. It was going to be either Jack Johnson or Mata to open up the necessary cap space and open up the log jam at defense. And as it turned out, it ended up being Ollie. I like how he says that. How diplomatic. How in a way, it was like, it was one or the other, and I guess it was this guy. Which means no one, including the Chicago Blackhawks, was willing to take Jack Johnson because he is an awful defenseman. Very bad. And his contract is awful. Oh, so as bad. well. Olimata, not as bad. No, and you know what? Olimata, not a great defenseman either, I think. He's also, I believe, kind of glass bones, or he just gets hit in the face a bunch and is unfortunate. Do you think? Probably. The answer is probably. Uh, Do you think. Sidney Crosby finishes his whole career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because he's not young anymore, mm. but he's too young to be on a dog shit team. And if Jim Rutherford manages them for a year or two more, they will be a dog shit team. That guy was already trying to get out of his Jack Johnson contract with this trade, and it just didn't work. Yeah, they almost had it. Now he's got to sit with it. They almost had it to fucking Minnesota because Chuck Fletcher 
and what's his name? What's the new uh, Paul Fenton? Mm. Are in a running gun battle <laughs> to see who can make the most mediocre team in the history of hockey. I think Chuck Fletcher gets it by a nose because he built the foundation for what's already happening in Minnesota. Mm. The New York Rangers acquired defenseman Jacob Truba from the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for defenseman Neil Pionk and a first-round pick in the 2019 NHL draft, which I believe is the 20th selection. I think so. People were saying John Davidson was a part of the brain trust in St. Louis that did what, Ian? Drafted Alex Petrangelo. And then he was a part of the front office in Columbus that then did what? Traded for Seth Jones. And now he has worked his magic again and gotten the Rangers a defenseman as well in Jacob Truba. Alex Petrangelo, Seth Jones, and Jacob Truba. Ian, any thoughts? Uh, Jacob Truba is a poor man's both of those <laughs> players. <laughs> I mean, Seth Jones, it's weird because Alex Petrangelo, we all know, is a great defenseman. A cup-winning defenseman, a Stanley Cup champion. Seth Jones, probably like top five defenseman better, in the league right now. Better, yeah. Yeah. Jacob Truba is good puck mover. Yeah, is a Jacob fi- Truba he's fine. is a poor man's Alex Petrangelo or a slightly, slightly richer man's Vince Dunn. Mm-hmm. Or a like not even richer, but like mildly further east man's Kevin Shattenkirk. He's not, I mean, he's fine. Mm. A lot of people think he's very good. I don't think he's defensively good enough to be like a cup-winning first-line defender. Mm. I mean, good to get him. <laughs> Better, tra- I mean, also, though, at the same time, Winnipeg got screwed. Neil Payonk, very bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of, franchise, a lot of teams said... Uh, that they had better offers on the table for Truba, and apparently this was the only one that he would take. I don't know, though. Did he have any new move protection? I can't I don't, imagine sure. he did, but whatever. Um, I guess they liked Pionk. Maybe they just wanted to say Pionk. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, the San Jose Sharks traded defenseman Justin Braun to Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for... Philadelphia's own second round pick in 2019 and Philadelphia's own third round pick in 2020. Ian, you know what the first thing you want to do? The first thing you want to do when you acquire an aging and overpaid right-handed defenseman? Just get rid of your picks? No, no, no. (laughs) Acquire a second (laughs) aging and overpaid right-handed defenseman. I don't know. What... What were you thinking? What space do they have? I love the Flyers. And if our friends... From the Broad Street Bullies are listening. I love you guys, and I think you probably need a hug right now, and that's fine. And maybe Paul Fenton just blows our mind with some whack shit at the draft or something. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he does. He never did in Minnesota, so I don't see why he would now, but maybe he does. But what are you thinking? This team missed the playoffs last year. Why are you loading up with veteran defensemen? You don't have a goal. Well, you do have a goalie. I forgot about Carter Hodge. You've got a goalie. You've got a goalie, but you don't. I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Is, is like, Travis Sandheim bad? I don't know. Is Robert Hag bad? I don't really think so. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're bad. I don't know. I, they have a lot of right 
<laughs> or a lot of defensemen in They're general. rotating a lot of old people in where I feel like there should be young people. I think they're going to... And not the right old people either. Yeah. I think they're going to trade Shane Gostas Bear. Do you think this team gets Roman Polak? This team feels like that, we're a Roman oh, Polak away. God. God forbid for their sake. But yeah, I don't understand couple of trades by that GM that I really don't understand. As long as we're talking about things I don't understand, Ian, let's go to a new segment we will be calling The Worst Take I've Ever Seen This Week. (laughs) If you'd like to write us a theme song for The Worst Take I've Ever Seen and record it, please do so and send it Mm. to us on Twitter or Instagram or elsewhere. We want 80% royalties. <laughs> the worst take I've ever seen this weekend is Terry Jones from the Edmonton area saying Jesse Puya Yarvi may be a million dollar talent, but clearly he has a 10 cent head. And the agent? Question mark? Not a good combination. Here's <laughs> what a, the what thing. What a vague tweet. Terry. Here's the thing. For those of you that don't know, Jesse Puglia Yarvi is the former fourth overall pick. And by former, usually when you say former fourth overall pick and you're talking about a disgrace, uh, you're talking 10, 20 years ago. Former 2016 overall <laughs> pick. He's he's 21, 22 years old. He's very young. He's hyper-talented. And the Edmonton Oilers have fucked up every second of his <laughs> career. Every single second. Because they're the Edmonton Oilers and they can't do anything else. So Jesse Puglia-Yarvi wants a trade. You know why he wants a trade, among other things? Because they tried to make him pay through, play through a broken hip or some kind of hip injury mm. that required surgery, and he's been bungled, and he's never gotten a fair shake, even though he was there, fourth overall pick. So he wants a trade now. He wants a trade before he signs an RFA deal with them. And you're gonna say he has the 10-cent head? Part of the problem in Edmonton is that these people line up around the block to be apologists and make excuses for whatever bullshit that front office comes up with to do and to destroy their franchise and to manufacture the formula whereby which Connor McDavid will demand a trade out of there. And when he does, you're going to be looking at him like he's the problem because you never learn that was the worst take I've ever heard this week. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's that's true. That's right. Just made me, me too. so <laughs> Are they going to say he's got a 10-cent head? Connor McDavid's fucking stupid for leaving Edmonton and be like, what? <laughs> they will. Someone that's will. That's the thing, they will. Oh, my God. That's the dumbest organization in NHL. Like, I know Ottawa's really stupid, but I feel like it's, like, mismanaged. Ottawa's, like, a bad guy. Yeah. Ottawa is a Eugene like they're being Melnick. held hostage. Ottawa is the removal of Eugene Melnick away from being fine. Yeah, they're just I mean, being maybe held not hostage. fine in Ottawa, but fine. Mm. I think, you know, I think they've gotten, considering that they traded Eric Carlson for nothing and gave away their first round pick that should have been first mm. overall, they've got an amazing young core of talent. The team that currently has Connor McDavid on it, I think has a dimmer future than the, the Ottawa Senators. Senators. That's probably fair. Yeah. That's awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, just an awful take. Why don't we move through some of these contracts and then we can get out of here. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres signed... Oh, 
<laughs> Yikes. We <laughs> signed Jeff Winger eight years, $9 million. Anthony, if you're listening, I'm very glad you got to keep Jeff Skinner. I wish it had been for two or three million dollars fewer. Uh, Jeff Skinner scored 40 goals this year, but he finished out the year at like a one goal per four game pace or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think he had two in the final month of the season. Uh, he's 27 years old. He's a, a, an occasional but streaky scorer, and now he's making $1.5 million more per year than Vladimir Tarasenko, which again, contract signed at very different times. Vladimir Tarasenko, if he signed a contract now, wouldn't be making $7.5 million, but... They paid a premium to keep Skinner in Buffalo. Do you think it was worth it? Mm, maybe. Man, they have, looking at their cap friendly, they have like 75% of their team is up. Like mm. right now or next year. They literally have one, two, three, four, five, six. They have six players signed beyond next year. Can I name them? Jack Eichel. Yep. Connor McDavid. Or, sorry, Conor McDavid, Jeff Skinner. Yeah. You know, same person. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen? Yep. Um, Rasmus Dahlin? Yep. Oh, man, you might... Actually, there's two more, yeah. Are they, like, weird guys? Um, no. Brock Nelson is a Islander, right? Not a... Correct. Kyle Ocposo? Yep. Yeesh. You got one more. Carter Hutton. Yes. That's <laughs> scary. I wouldn't have done I wouldn't have done that. Holy shit. I when you got when you gave me the eyes on one more, I was like, who does their goaltender yeah. that they're weirdly have? I was gonna say a, a blast time. from the past. <laughs> Remember when we let go of Carter Hutton Carter Hutton and people were like, Oh my god, this yeah. team Which like I don't think he was terrible there. No. But like We didn't well we didn't need to keep him. Yeah. That would have been Jordan Bennington's spot, folks. Yeah, everyone said we need to keep Carter Hart. You didn't win the cup. What do you, Carter Hutton. I mean, if Skinner continues to score 40 goals a season, this contract's a no-brainer. He was a Cy Young guy last year, though, with only 23 assists. I don't know, man. I don't know. It doesn't feel quite right to me. It's not the doesn't quite feel quite right-ist mm -hmm. of these deals for sure. Why don't we move on to some of those? <laughs> Jordan Everly signed a five-year contract with an AAV of $5.5 million. He had 37 points in 78 games last year, not even 20 goals. Ian, I've said historically that the rule of thumb I'd like to live by is, 10 mil is $1 million for every 10 point that is out the window now yeah what do you think about the everly deal five five for five years i think is actually a decent deal because five five right now is pretty cheap yeah and he's older and mm -hmm. so it's just going to get better and better you just have to hope that 37 points is not how the old is he norm. now 29 yeah so it's not he's not going to be like decrepit at the end yeah of this. i think it's actually not the word i don't think that's a bad deal yeah hasn't he what do you have his numbers from last season by any chance Oh, the season before I can last? I up if need be, but I'm just curious if 38 is, like, typical for him or if it's a little bit of a dip. Oh, let me check. Um, whatever the case is, that's not nearly the most egregious of these contracts, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good deal of money. It's a good. I'm glad mm. Jordan Everly got paid. And he was making... Is that right? He was making $6 million before that? 
Yeah. For the last probably. six years? Yeah. Okay. That dude's gotten paid very much money for being like an average, average to an average. decent. Like a decent. For being very average. <laughs> no, I mean, I just remember when he was like the upstart up in Edmonton, and yeah. obviously they bungled that mess too. He had uh, 59 points and 51 and 47 the three years before that. Yeah. So you, you hope, hope 37 was an outlier up. and he would go back up, in which case it's fine. Uh, Washington Capitals, this is a weird one to me, re-signed Carl Hagwin, who played 58 games last year and recorded 19 points for four years, which is a big problem here, mm-hmm. at $2.75 million. He's 30 years old, and he's a speed guy, and make sense of this for me. I was like, if he gets hurt or slows down in his old age, that's um, about $1.75 million more than you should be paying him. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't understand the four-year thing. This is the small This is the small version of the Victor Arvidsson contract, where it's like, okay, not the worst money-wise, but why'd you give him four mm. years for? Very Was strange. he, like, on the run? Like, oh, well, you gotta lock him up. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ottawa Senators, I think this is a really good deal. Resign Anthony Duclair for one year, $1.65 million. He had 19 goals and 14 assists overall last season, but I think took off when he was traded to Ottawa from the Columbus Blue Jackets. John Tortorella did not like it. Kind of a racist thing. Um, you didn't hear it from me, though. Or Jaden Schwartz. He'd just like you. He doesn't mind Seth Jones, uh, but I think it's because Seth Jones is just lighter. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, and a better hockey player. Yeah. He can get over it for a Seth Jones, you know? <laughs> Uh, they got over it. What do you say? An attitude problem? Yeah, you know, the classic I don't like minorities <laughs> line. He's got an attitude um, problem. Duclair is 23 years old, has been seen as a potential breakout forward in the past. 19 goals last year. Still 23. To pay $1.65 million to to see if he can continue that. I'm all for it. I, I mean, think if that's a win for Ottawa. They got to hit the floor anyway. Yeah, if we're paying potentially that amount of money for like Zach Sanford, yeah. and I don't even know if Zach Sanford's hitting thirty points next year. Yeah. This is like, yeah, this is a great deal. Uh, Eric Carlson, woof. <laughs> Eric Carlson, fifty-three games last year, three goals, three. Joel Edmondson had that many goals, mm-hmm. I think. 42 <laughs> assists for 45 points. Most of that was done in one incredibly hot streak because he was very bad to start the season, mm-hmm. even when healthy. Uh, eight years, $11.5 million at age 29. Ian, there is no excuse for this contract. Mm-hmm. It is off the board insane, and anyone who says... Prime Eric Johnson deserves, or Eric Carlson deserves that contract, is correct in a vacuum. Prime Eric Carlson is a thing of the past. I like he's gone. Indisputably. He has no groin no more. He's already, he's going to be pushing, he's going to turn 30 in the first year of this contract. He's a speed defenseman who isn't going to have speed anymore. People were already turn styling him left and right last year. This contract is insane. It's horribly irresponsible. And I'm really glad my team didn't sign it. I'm really glad a team I don't particularly like signed it. This Team loves overpaying defensemen, and the San Jose Sharks window is next year, and next year only. They don't have any window after that. 
They've got $26.5 million tied up in Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, and Mark Edward Vlasic. Add, add Martin Jones into that, will you please? Yeah, that's, uh, what is that then? That's like 31, almost $32 million let's, tied up. Let's do just a quickie wiki, just a 32 divided by 82. 39%. Of your salary cap, you morons, <laughs> you morons. I love this. Brent Burns is what thirty four right now, and he won't be off their books till twenty twenty five. This and that's the one that ends the soonest of those is, three defensemen. This is the thing. This is the thing that reminds me that there aren't good GMs in this league, and that Doug, Doug Armstrong. I don't know that he's the best, mm-hmm. but he's top five yeah, or was... top ten. No question asked. Doug Wilson is universally looked upon as one of the best GMs in this league, and he signed this friggin' contract. <laughs> and you know why he did it? You know why he did it? This is the only reason I guarantee you was, well, we can't let Eric Carlson walk. Mm-hmm. We traded for Eric Carlson. We can't let him leave and imply that San Jose is an organization people don't want to come to. Well, maybe everyone will want to come there now, but you can't pay them <laughs> any money. Add what were we at? Thirty two before? Yeah, about and it's seven it's seven million per season for Evander Kane, right? Yeah, that and then it's eight million for Logan Couture, and they've got five so, point hold on, six hold on. two. Thirty two plus seven plus eight for Couture. Yeah. And um, Evander Kane. That's fifty-seven percent of the cap this season for one very bad defenseman, but high point scorer in Brent Burns. Mm. One I think ghost of him for his former self in Eric Carlson. One shell of a goaltender in Martin Jones. One aging but meh defenseman in Mark Edward Vlasic. Meh. To good one dramatically overpaid winger in it and in uh, Evander Kane and a, a very good a very good Eight million nothing for against Logan yeah. Kerr. What age is he though? Thirty. Thirty. So he'll be fine for a few more years, mm. and then you'll owe him eight million a season for three or four more after that. They have. And he'll be Ryan Getzlaff or Corey shit. Perry. We forgot to mention Corey Perry got bought out. By the way, they have. Was it Melker Carlson will be UFA? Year after next. Timo Meyer is he a UFA this year? Yeah, or he he's gone. RFA. He gone. Somebody offer sheeting him. He's gone. That's the thing. Kevin LeBlanc, Kevin LeBanc, Jonas Donskoy, Michael Haley, Joe Pavelski, Joe Thornton, Gustav Nyquist, Timo Meyer, and Dylan Gambrell all RFA or UFA. I'd offer sheet Timo Meyer in a cocaine heartbeat. Did we did we say this previously, or did I read that somewhere? Someone was like, everyone's talking about Mitch Marner and. Uh, Braden Point, but you someone needs to go after Timo Meyer. Yeah, I think somebody they, said that. They cannot well, match. Here's the thing: those are the guys that you need to get the Casperi Kapanens, the the Timo Myers, where you can pay them enough money that they can't match, but you also aren't, aren't giving overpaying. Up. Yeah, I think Timo Meyer five million a year. That's a first and a third round pick. I give that up in a heartbeat for mm-hmm. Timo Meyer. A heartbeat. You can pay him up to six million and change a year and just give up a first and a third? By the way, you can offer him a seven year contract and yeah. just give up a first and a third. <laughs> what is how old is he? 
He is 22. That is insane. What is Doug Wilson going to do to you, too, by the way? Because he has no he recourse. Can't... He's got no money to be able to grab someone else from your ass. Please, Doug, don't offer sheet Joel Edmondson. <laughs> we beg of you. It's just, yeah, like, come on. Man, I hope... You put yourself in these situations. There has been Who was it, by the way? Was it... Who... It, maybe Ray Shiro. Some GM. I think it was. This week. That basically said, yeah, there's no gentleman's code. We're going to... Ba- I mean, he basically said, we'll definitely offer sheet if it makes sense. In a heartbeat. That's all bullshit. Yeah. We'll do it. Man, I don't know how that's not, like... It's, again, it's the thing we go, dude, it's a business. So, I'm going to offer sheet him. You telling me the devils who will have Nico Heashier and, Ta- and uh, Jack Hughes won't get a Timo Meyer just to say to Taylor Hall, you're going to leave all this? Ooh, You're gonna leave this? That's hot. That's or hot. a Casperi Kapanen, whoever. Like, I'm gonna, come on. Let chaos reign. This offseason had better be as interesting as I think it is. Because we'll just be the puppet masters. Pulling the strings, <laughs> sitting above, out of the action, just watching everything burn. It'll be delightful. Up from our cup mountain on high. Tampa Bay re-signed Braden Coburn for two years at $1.75 million per year. Do you care? He's I 24. I thought Braden Coburn was dead. Oh, he's 34. <laughs> oh, 34, yeah. yeah he old. Me. He old. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Fine. And finally... Ooh, the, cru- the coup de gras. Oh, God. I forgot. I almost forgot. Kevin Hayes... With his 54 points last year, 19 of them goals, and his, what, total lack of existence in the first round against the Blues, his total irrelevance. I think he had a tip-in goal. That was it. Got seven years. How old is he? 29, 28? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'll look it up. Got seven years. 27, I bet. At seven point one four million dollars, you know what I think the funniest part about this is. Seven years at seven million just wasn't quite enough to get it done. (laughs) Twenty seven years. Oh, that's right, the first time on the younger side. Yeah, but there's just a lot of money for a fifty point guy. You're not looking at him as a guy that's like gonna keep peaking. He's a 55-point defenseman. I saw, I think it's, I think it was Ryan Lambert of Yahoo say, you're in pretty good shape if Kevin Hayes is your second center. Mm -hmm. You're in very good shape if he's your third center. You're paying him like a first center. Mm -hmm. Kevin Hayes is like the Paul Stastny contract on crack cocaine. The only difference being that Paul Stastny, better natural centerman, and also four years. Hmm. Why? It wouldn't be that bad if, A, it wasn't like seven years, and mm-hmm. B, if it was like, I understand the caps increasing ever so slowly every year. Why did it, couldn't it have been like six and a half? It's awful. Everything about this contract is awful, and so that we don't drag this out longer than we have to, why don't we just talk about real quickly... That's that's Braden Shen's baseline. Yeah. That's his absolute baseline. I think Braden Shen's better, so he's gonna want more and he's people, won a cup. I know people want Braden Shen back. That's great. I get it. He his agents are saying that's where we start mm-hmm. negotiations. And I know I've I've seen people say, Yeah, well Armstrong will just say they overpaid Kevin Hayes. 
the agents don't I, care. I That's lo- not how market value works. I love the I love the like, but but Armstrong will say, but I don't care, and they'll be like, oh okay, well then in that case we'll listen whatever you yeah, want. Exactly. It's like no. Uh, Matt Duchesne is going to get paid ten million a season. Oh will, yeah, if Jeff Skinner's making nine, he's going to push for ten. He'll be over ten. Braden Shen will enter unrestricted free agency in a year after both of those guys have signed what's, massive deals. What's happening to salaries? I think Braden Shin makes $8 million a year at least. If oh, he, yeah. I mean, assuming he doesn't just bomb next year, you can't pay him. You cannot pay him and block Robert Thomas's path. So trade him on Friday. Trade him tomorrow. <laughs> so trade I'm him saying, tomorrow. Like, I'm Love not it. saying you have so to trade, trade him. him but, like, if somebody comes around and is like, we really need Braden Shin, here's Edmonton. We're Edmonton. Give us Braden Shin. We'll give you the eighth overall pick and Jesse Puglia-Yarvey or whatever. Do it. Like, somebody's going to overpay for Braden Shin. Take it, I think. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's like I said earlier. I think it's one that you can easily wait for because I don't want to see him walk, but if he does, not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm just waiting out. Like, do you really need him? Well, what are you, you going to give me? Yeah. He's cup winning. He's Stanley Cup champion, Braden Shin. Uh, and that's why he's, true. that's why he's gonna make close to eight million because Kevin Hayes the ham won jack shit. That's the amazing thing, and he was awful in the playoffs. Yeah. That's the amazing thing about this team going forward, and we can wrap it up now. But everyone on this team has won a Stanley Cup. That's so, so cool. So when we talk about trading them, when yeah. we talk about keeping them, when we talk about doing whatever, they've all won Stanley Cups. And when other GMs come calling, there's a little bit of a tax. Yeah, a little you more. You gotta pay the ferryman because. The St. Louis Blues are Stanley Cup champions. The drafts tomorrow night will cover it on Saturday, tentatively. Yes. He's, I'm getting very nod. muted nods for Ian. No. Uh, I will be covering it like crazy on Twitter because I'm a draft addict. So be sure to follow Ooh. us there and hang out. A bump of draft. We'll a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm taking a bump of draft. It's time for the Blues to draft. Let me pick a name randomly out of a hat. Uh, Russian defenseman Daniil Misul. We won't miss him. It's Daniil Misul. Book it. Draft starts tomorrow. Be there on Twitter. Good night, everybody. You are all the number one overall pick in our hearts. Oh, he